Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. All right, let's do this Tuesday afternoon in the peg. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Hustler-Patterson with you along with Michael Remus. And uh, oh, we got a lot to talk about today. More aftermath coming out of the end of the Winnipeg Jets season and everything that we heard yesterday from both players and management. And looking forward to chopping it up with Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press a little bit later on. Hammer's going to join us in, I don't know, 45 minutes or so. We'll get his thoughts on uh, everything going on around this hockey club, all of the turmoil with the roster, coaching staff, etc., heading into the offseason. And, of course, with it being CFL Draft Day as well, and Jeff being one of our go-to guys on all things Blue Bombers and CFL, uh, get his thoughts on what's coming up tonight in the draft as well. Uh, very exciting global draft, or maybe we should just call it the uh, Australian punter draft today. Uh, plenty of punters and kickers going in the global draft, but uh, the uh, the real intrigue, I think, for CFL fans are going to be whose names are called this evening in the CFL draft. Bombers have made a move. Edmonton made a move as well. So we'll chop all that up with Hammer a little bit later on. Um, of course, the Moose getting ready to go with the playoffs, starting off in Milwaukee on the weekend. We'll get into the Moose in the next couple of days. Today, we get ready for the ice second round matchup. And Really looking forward to welcoming in Minnesota Wild first-rounder and uh, ICE All-Star defenseman Carson Lambos to the program. Carson will join us in about uh, 20, 25 minutes. Uh, we'll discuss the first-round win over PA and look ahead to the next round uh, against the Moose Jaw Warriors beginning on Friday and Saturday at the Ice Cave. Um, so lots to get to. And, of course, Stanley Cup playoffs begin last night. We'll talk about the uh, games that are in the books as well as look ahead to the other four series beginning tonight. Uh, big thanks to all the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen each and every day, including our newest sponsor, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health Fresh Market, Assiniboia Downs. Great to have Assiniboia Downs back. Live racing starting in just a few weeks, and Kirk Contois is going to join us on Friday to help set up the Kentucky Derby. Uh, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Breezy Bend Country Club, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course our friends, our betting partner over at Cool Bet Canada. So uh, let's get to it and welcome in Michael Remus to uh, start off this beautiful afternoon. As uh, uh, everyone's got to be in somewhat of a good mood, Remus, depressing as the <laughs> Jets exit meetings were to some. Um, we're finally getting some weather around here. I can't help but spend every couple hours looking at the weather app just for confirmation that we're actually going to have beautiful temperatures, sunshine after what we've been going through for the last number of weeks here in uh, in Winnipeg and surrounding area. Yeah, how's it going out there? Uh, I'm in a good mood. Yes, I finally made the appointment to take my winter tires off. Um, May two, <laughs> May two. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I should probably get these off. I mean, we did have the blizzard of the century uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, I'm in a, yeah, good mood. I'm playoff hockey. I mean, it's, we had a great, some great games last night. I didn't think I was going to get so excited about it, but uh, the Leafs scoring and what, what else? Edmonton losing was great. I am wearing a Kings hat today. Shout out to the Big Kings. Kings guy. Big I'm, Kings guy. You, I, you, you started the bandwagon before the playoffs even started. I said it yesterday on the show that I, I wanted it on the record. It was on my bracket. I took the Kings. I said Phil Deno was elite. And what do I see on Twitter the last, like, 12 hours? Oh, how good is Phil Deno, man? That guy shut down McDavid and Dreisaitl. So uh, I'm feeling I'm 
give myself a Barry Horowitz, although Mike Smith, I think, uh, I think has to own some of that. We'll get into that. You were that. telling me off air, yeah. Mike Smith is 0-10 in his last 10 playoff starts? Yes, 0-10. Not know, a good stat. We know from experience that the Oilers, I know they have lost at least the last four straight playoff games. <laughs> <laughs> Make it five last and, night. And to give up a goal like that in the, the dying minutes of the third period, just in an excruciating way. You know, I can sit here with the Jets not in the playoffs, so we can sit here just as a bystander, and I can either laugh at, uh, I'm hoping I can... Enjoy the the Leafs misfortune, which I did not get to. They dominated yesterday. There was no misfortune last no. night. That was a hell of a performance and, by the Leafs right out of the gate. And that Euler game was uh, it was an awesome game. Uh, McDavid's goal, like I was, he just oh. he just walked down the ice and shot and scored. Like why can't he do that every time? That was absolutely insane, insane goal. The best part of the McDavid goal is if you back it up and pause it. Five kings are there. Yeah. They're all around him. Uh, but he had a good two to three feet of space from each and every one, and that was all he needed. He was brilliant last night. And uh, I spent a lot of time this morning listening to uh, the guys in Edmonton, uh, Dusty's show, as well as Low Tide. Um, and I wouldn't say that there's a sense of panic right now, but certainly there's a lot of nerves considering the way that game went last night. But so much of it came down to goaltending. And, uh, you know, a terrible, terrible decision by Mike Smith and a tie game late in the third period that ended up biting them. That being said, I think the Oilers played quite well, uh, but they're going to have to get game number two at home to get this series back uh, tied out one before it heads back to Southern California. But listen, we'll talk more about this coming up a, a little bit later on because, as I said, we will have time to chop up the playoffs, and I do want to get ready for uh, the fourth series tonight with you a little bit later on, Reem. Uh, but we've had... A few hours to sort of digest everything that came out yesterday. Of course, if you missed yesterday's program, you can go back on the YouTube channel or the podcast and check it out. Uh, we spent the better part of the first hour of the program highlighting some of the more important clips from a number of players that spoke after Sunday's finale against the Kraken, including Paul Stastny, including Blake Wheeler. Um, but the comments that have everybody talking about was Mark Shifley. And um, this is not news to anyone, any regulars on this program. We've spent a lot of time talking about Shifley, his position with the club, where the Winnipeg Jets move forward. Um, and I, I certainly for myself, it wasn't a surprise to see where things were at, although maybe just how out in the open they were was um, was something that was a little different than the way the Jets have normally handled their business. Uh, but Remo, in a lot of ways, this had been going on for the last couple of weeks. I mean, we hadn't heard from Mark Shifley as he'd been injured, and we hadn't heard from Kevin Sheveldayoff, but pretty much everybody else involved in that dressing room, uh, certainly of the key players, had stepped up to a microphone at some point, um, owned the season, talked about the level of disappointment, um, talked about the level of embarrassment in some cases, like Neil Pionk. And... Um, it was just, I mean, what I'm left with after reading and listening to what Shifley has said, you know, a couple more times last night, um, just the stark contrast between, you know, one player talking about himself the entire time and really having absolutely no connection or responsibility to the season that happened, talking about what's best for him, talking to his agents and parents, as opposed to many of the other players that um, really seem to be committed to being part of the solution and getting this out. And uh, listen, I guess I didn't expect Kevin Sheveldayoff to come out with any revelatory statements yesterday. And uh, it was not lost upon me or our guest Mike McIntyre that when Sheveldayoff may had his 
uh, at his media address that the in uh, the meeting with Mark Shifley had not happened yet. Um, but when you think about what Shifley had to say, what Dave Lowry had to say about Mark needing to make a decision, I mean, it's so clear that this the, the broken locker room that we talked about for a long time was just thrown out in front of all of our faces. And um, uh, when that happens, everyone else around the National Hockey League takes notice. I mean, even with the playoffs starting yesterday, uh, we heard the Overdrive guys talking about it. Uh, and I mean, they were, as one would expect, I mean, from outside the market with no skin in the game, listening to what Mark Shifley had to say and said, what the hell was that? Um, you know, uh, certainly O-Dog and uh, Noodles, Jamie McLennan, said they absolutely hated the uh, hated the comments and, and it reflected really poor on Mark Shifley. Now, all that being said, um, you know, with the Jets' choices going forward, and I think it's pretty clear where I sit in this, I think they do have to make a move. And I think Mark Shifley would be the centerpiece of the biggest move that they make in the offseason. Uh, both to change up the core, elevate some other players deserving of really being leaders that have been leaders this year, step into a void that was cast by uh, by Shifley in his performance this year. Uh, but Elliot Friedman was on with KNR yesterday for a few minutes. Um, and if people are worried that Mark Shifley has tarnished himself or damaged his reputation or really blunted the trade value of a player, um, certainly Elliot Friedman didn't feel that same way. He said that the market for Mark Shifley would be big and the return would be considerable for the Winnipeg Jets. So uh, that was a good thing. And that's certainly something that I've believed and been talked about all season long. Part of it, and I mean, I think a lot of the things about Shife in this situation has really come to a head and come to light over the last couple months. But even when we were talking about this possibility in and around, well, before Paul Maurice got fired, I mean, looking ahead to this offseason, looking at Mark Shifley's contract, looking at what he's making, looking at what he's done on the scoreboard over the course of his time in Winnipeg, it shouldn't be a surprise that there'll be a lot of demand for this player. And to me, for Kevin Chevalier, who signed his three-year extension, and that's a whole nother topic because many people figure um, that, you know, he wasn't deserving to stick around and get the opportunity to do so. Um, but he will be. And honestly, that move, assuming that it happens, will be the signature move of the offseason. And in a lot of ways, could be a franchise-changing move going forward, considering how important that Mark Shifley has been for the Winnipeg Jets over the time that he has been here as sort of the golden boy here in Winnipeg and the clear-cut number one center. Yeah, well said, Hustler. And definitely a contrast. You hear a guy like Pionk who said, you know, we have to look in the mirror. I have to be better. I'm embarrassed. And Mark Shafley saying, I have to know, do what's best for me. And as you said, really taking no responsibility. And yeah, as far as changes go, I mean, we were asked if they, Mike McIntyre seems to think he's going to get traded and it was positive to hear from Elliot that, you know, it doesn't really matter what we've seen from him. Teams are going to be interested at in a guy who can play one or two center um, for $6 million a season the next two years. That's going to be extremely attractive to teams. And we saw what, Brandon Hagel got at the deadline, you know, just be, just because he's a good player, but because he was, uh, you know, cost controllable. Um, so uh, that is interesting. But I think as we go to next season, as uh, so you do have to wonder, you know, about the leadership group. And we have heard stuff about, you know, going back, you know, I think beginning when they reacquired Matt Hendricks in 2019. Uh, I think going back to then, we were that trade was kind of like what, and then you know we had. We don't need to rehash do you remember? Everything. Do you yeah. remember being on the air with yes. me when that trade came through? Yes. I would love to have that clip because we were right at the end of the warm-up. We were getting ready. We were getting ready for uh, the afternoon ride. 
Rick was in the bullpen getting his stuff ready before he came in. And it was about, I don't know, 10 to three or something like that. And it came through the Winnipeg Jets. And you said it, the Winnipeg Jets have made an acquisition. Matt Hendricks is coming back. And we were sort of like, what? And it's funny you bring that up, Remus, because um, I've often said that I think that this, uh, well, let's use some racism, this malaise of, uh, of a certain player and the leadership group and the locker room goes way back. I mean, some people will say it's because the coach left. Some people will say it's the aftermath for Shifley in particular of the Montreal hit. I mean, I, 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 I think that this goes way, way back. And I mean, that 2018-19 season that started off with so much promise that ended going directly south, players only meaning in game number 81 and the, you know, the, the infamous um, end of season press conferences with Shifley in particular, who basically didn't say a damn thing and just sat there sulking beside Blake Wheeler for the better part of 10 or 15 minutes uh, was memorable. But when you look back, the acquisition of Matt Hendricks makes you scratch your head, go, why in the world could, could they have been in a situation that they needed Matt Hendricks? And um, I don't know. I just think that, you know, with the 20 season, uh, you know, with what happened with COVID and then the all Canadian division with no fans, in some ways it just sort of kicked the can down a couple years. And I mean, this has been a reckoning. And unfortunately for the Winnipeg Jets, and this is one thing that I think people that are critics of Kevin Sheveldayoff, um, you know, do have a point in that it really is the general manager and management's job to help create that culture or nurture it and maintain it. Or if it's going wrong, make significant changes to write it. And that just simply hasn't happened. And it got to the point where we're hearing from half the locker room, respected veteran players speaking publicly about, well, I, listen, the, the, the Stasny comments yesterday, I think were sort of the coup de grace because I'm not sure I've ever heard any player, especially a respected player like Paul Stastny, talk about players on one's own team, not respecting each other, not having that respect for teammates and not buying in the way that he said yesterday. And, you know, to get to that point is, you know, it's a massive failure. And I think it speaks to this season overall. But in a lot of ways, I'm not sure we should be surprised because they didn't make those changes they did not elevate, you know, some of the younger players. I mean, it really still was sort of a two-tier team, at least under Paul Maurice. And then, you know, when Dave Lowry came in, I think Lowry did a few things. He did split up Shifley and Wheeler, and I think it had benefits for Wheeler, as we've talked about. It'll be interesting to hear Hammer's comments on it. Um, but the problem was still there. And more and more, and I mean, it's difficult to single out one guy, but... In some ways, Mark Scheifele singled himself out on Sunday afternoon. And even the most loyal backers of Mark Scheifele that didn't even want to hear any of the conversations that we had that maybe the Jets need to consider a significant move and get max value for Scheifele before the, you know, the, the clock comes ticking and there's too much left. I think most people left going, leaving there going, this guy, if you didn't think he'd already checked out on the Winnipeg Jets, it sure as hell seems like he had right now. And um I got to tell you, I mean, Chevy's going to be the guy going forward to do it. And um, this is going to, I think, in a lot of ways, make or break. Although we say that, and I mean, there seems to be a lot more rope in Winnipeg than there is in many other spots. But that's the way this team is running. He's going to be the guy going forward. And I can't think of anything more important. Frankly, it'll suck up more oxygen on this show as to what happens if they do make a trade, what comes back and how we get to that point. 
Yeah, and I was reading Mike McIntyre's column yesterday on the Chevy extension titled Chevy Gets Three More Years to Fix Broken Jets, a mess he helped create. And I couldn't help but notice that he wrote, I'm told there was a heated players-only meeting last month in Florida after the Jets had been outscored 13-5 by the Panthers and the Lightning on back-to-back nights where plenty of voices were raised and grievances aired. No coincidence that the truth bomb started getting dropped publicly following the Tampa loss. I do remember them getting, this is me adding, I do remember getting smoked. Um, Mike continues, it's as if some on the team realized they were banging their heads against a wall, deciding to take their cries for help in the media. It is important to know Mark Shafley was not on that trip. We laughed that he got injured and didn't get to go to Florida um, like everyone else. So I'm not sure who was yelling at who here, who wasn't happy, but it was pretty clear they were not even in the same league as the two Florida teams as they got uh, absolutely dominated. And that second one against Tampa, when they had the lead, and we all, at least I joked that, oh yeah, even though they're up two goals on Tampa here, they're going to blow it in. Uh, of course they did. So, um, And here, here we are. I don't know. Let's all just uh, throw in that one, uh, that one out there. Well, it, it is important to note, and I mean, for obvious reasons, we focus on Mark Shifley. I mean, he's been, you know, arguably, you know, the most important player in this franchise since, you know, in the last 11 years. Um, you know, he has been, you know, in a lot of ways, he was anointed the golden boy, and justifiably so. I mean, he was the number one draft pick. They patiently waited for a couple seasons. They got him in here. He played very well. He signed an eight-year contract to, you know, to stay. Now, there are many theories out that <clears throat> that eight-year contract, in fact, very quickly became the source of, you know, some disgruntlement from Mark Shifley. Now, I mean, listen, you've only got yourself and your uh, your your agent to, to blame for that. I mean, you sign on the line and accept $50 million. There's not a lot of people that are feeling sorry for you. Um, and listen, if it was being disgruntled with what he was getting paid, paying that, I mean, that's just a terrible terrible black mark on a player i don't see nate mckinnon um bailing out because he's making 6.3 million when he should be making eight figures uh, i haven't seen brad marchand who's been on one of the best team friendly contracts in the league or a number of members of the boston bruins for that much that matter um you know allow that to affect them and again it's certainly nothing's been said publicly on it there's so many questions as to how it got here but it's obvious that shifle is a central figure in it um, and we move on from here. And I mean, it would, it would be, I, I was thinking about this today. I mean, just to have the opportunity to actually hear from Kevin shovel day off again after yesterday afternoon and found out hmm, how that, uh, how that exit meeting went. But when Mark Shifley finished it off, uh, finished it off saying it's going to be a tough discussion. Um, and I think Kevin shovel day, put on a brave face and tried to, you know, it was the old, uh, the old, uh, uh, the meme of the guy sitting in front of the building burning going everything is fine um it's obviously not fine right now and um you know where where we go from here i'll be interested but you know we, we've talked about these numbers uh you know the uh, likelihood of mark being uh being gone and uh i think that number only went way way up from a number that i always already thought was pretty high after the weekend um, and I think outside of the playoffs, Remus, maybe one of the biggest stories in the National Hockey League over the course of the next couple months heading into the July 7th draft in Montreal is going to be 
trade talks around Mark Shifley and how the Winnipeg Jets handle changing up this roster. And it won't just be Mark Shifley, but he is going to be the guy that if he is moved, will get the return that can significantly change this team. Um, and I think that's obviously something that uh, something that needs. Now, to Shevel Dayoff's credit, I mean, for the most part, He's done very well when he's been had to make trades. Um, he hasn't been forced into anything and has been patient on this. Like the Evander Kane, we talked about basically spending, geez, how long did that take? I mean, the better part of a couple of years for him to get de dealt. I don't think this is going to be the, the same case, though. I don't think that there's any way they can have this unresolved getting into uh, getting into training camp. And to be honest, I think most likely you're looking at some sort of a move happening in and around the uh, the NHL draft. Uh, because that would be, um, you know, when all the general managers are there, they're planning going into the next season. They've got the ability to fit in cap. And listen, when you talk about cap room and cap space, the Shifley contract still stands out as some of the best value in the league. And that goes to what Elliot Friedman was talking about yesterday, that there will be a big, big market for it. And, you know, in a way, I mean, I think that there will be, I mean, certainly if you've seen the way the team's gone and, uh, you know, there's one thing about on the ice, there's another thing about the team and in the dressing room. I think there certainly can be some addition by subtraction. But the other thing is that when you're moving a player of this caliber, um, you know, you're going to be able to get some pretty significant assets back. And a significant shakeup of this roster is necessary outside of a, a core group of, I think, at least at this point, untouchables, the likes of Hellebuck and Connor and Ehlers. And one other thing on Hellebuck, I know a lot of people, myself included, were worried about Elliot's uh, report that um, Mark Shifley didn't seem to be the only Winnipeg Jet that, you know, was, you know, maybe looking for for greener pastures, if you will. Uh, reported yesterday that Hellebuck's not one of those players and is, you know, is in for these next couple years, is committed to going forward, assuming that, you know, whatever he's been told about the direction of the team, he's buying into. So that is some good news. We'll get into all of this with Jeff Hamilton coming up a little bit later on. As I mentioned, uh, get more into the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Four series beginning tonight and four begun last night, including the Minnesota Wild, who happened to draft our next guest in the first round of the NHL draft. We're going to bring in Carson Lambos from the Winnipeg Ice in just a second. Uh, while we do that, a big welcome back to our friends at Assiniboia Downs. As we mentioned, live racing is back in May. Have to wait a little bit longer this year. I believe the 23rd, Monday, the first day of live racing. Uh, but they do have Mother's Day coming up. If you haven't already made your plans, the famous Mother's Day brunch might be a great option. Find out more at, at asdowns.com if you do want to uh, see if there's any availability for it. And on Friday's show, Kirk Contois will join us, chop it up and get ready for the Kentucky Derby and hopefully give us a couple of winners. Um, our friends at Wallace & Wallace, it's great to have on board. They're Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist, serving residential and customer uh, commercial customers for over 75 years in Winnipeg since 1946. If your property needs the security and protection of a new fence, or if winter's done a number on your old one, give them a call. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood, they have the right fence for you. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they've also got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. 204-452-2700 uh, is the number. Give them a call. The uh, experts at Wallace will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down in person to their showroom on Lawson Road 
off of Keniston Boulevard. And hey, our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market are ready for mom this weekend. You can shop one of these seven Vita Health locations to find mom the perfect Mother's Day gift. Of course, Vita Health has the great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. And if you can't make it into the store, you can visit their brand new fully shoppable website to buy online or schedule delivery with Instacart. And if you're out and about, uh, you can always pop in for some delicious lunch options, healthy Vitamarket salads, soup, sandwiches, and more, featuring the uh, very popular and tasty falafel salad as well. And as we get ready for barbecue season, uh, lean bison steaks or chicken ready for you as well. Vita Health, seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. Uh, and hey, speaking of uh, playoff hockey, you know, Carson and the boys will be putting the suits on to get ready for Medicine Hat coming up. If you're looking for a suit coming into the summer, every guy needs one that looks and fits great. F Apparel is the place to do it. Winnipeg's uh, leading spot for custom suits for men and a full line of custom clothing for every occasion. They're the top choice in Winnipeg for wedding and grad suits. If you have a big event coming up and you need to look great, F is here for you. And right now they've just got in over 250 new styles and fabrics for you to choose from on your next custom suit over at F Apparel. Visit them 190 Smith Street downtown or online at FEPHapparel.com. All right. Well, the Jets are done, but the Ice and Moose are ready for the playoffs. Moose get going on the road in Milwaukee. They'll be back next weekend. We'll talk Moose tomorrow. Right now, though, Let's uh, recap a big 4-1 victory in the first round of the Western Hockey League playoffs and get ready for game one of round two, Friday night at the Ice Cave with Ice All-Star defenseman and wild first-rounder Carson Lambos. Carson, what's going on, man? Great to have you on the show again. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Good, good. Uh, how are you and the boys feeling? Uh, you got the big win uh, in front of the home crowd on Friday night in a few days to uh, rest, recuperate, and uh, prepare for round two. What's the uh, what's the vibe like amongst the ice dressing room? Yeah, I think we were pretty happy to uh, win that first series, and um, you know we enjoyed it, and uh, you know we we're proud of it. But I think we're kind of in the mood of moving on and uh, to trying to take care of business. Um, you know, this upcoming series. Well, it's been, it's interesting. I mean, we've talked about your team and what you guys have accomplished all season long. I mean, the number one team in the Western Hockey League. I mean, uh, you know, really sort of raising the bar. But when you look back at this team, thinking about where it came from in Kootenai, here in Winnipeg, you know, kind of building up to this point with the lost seasons, this, for the most part, outside of two players, was the first taste of WHL playoff action you and any of your teammates have had. I mean, what was that? Was there some nerves going into uh, into the first couple games? And uh, how do you think you and uh, your teammates, uh, so many of them playing playoff hockey for the first time, acquitted themselves in round one? Yeah, I think that first game um, of the series, like you said, it was the first playoff game for uh, pretty much everybody except a couple guys. And, um, you know, I think there was some nerves that first period. And I think we were maybe gripping the stick a little tight to, to begin with. But I think after that first period, uh, we kind of settled in and, uh, you know, played our system, played our game. And uh, I think we had a lot of confidence in, in the way we were playing and uh, we, it went really well. Well, um, you know, I don't think anyone was surprised that you had the results. Although I will say this, you go to PA, you nuke them 10-1 in game number three. And I think there was a lot of people that were already looking ahead to game uh, to, uh, to the second round of the series, certainly amongst the fan base. 
Um, what happened in game four? Was it just this a matter of a team that was put up with their backs against the wall, playing one of their best games and managed to squeeze out a win that got the series back to Winnipeg? Yeah, I mean, uh, you have to respect your opponent. doesn't matter uh, what you did to them the night before. And, uh, you know, Prince Albert's been a good team at home all year. They're, they're a different team at home than they are at the road, especially in the Hard Houser. They're kind of a smaller arena that they're accustomed to playing. And so, um, you know, I think they had their back against the wall and they threw everything at us. And uh, it was a good mm-hmm. game. And, um, you know, I think it was a pretty, pretty even back and forth game, but bounces were the difference. And, you know, they, they got that game from us. Carson Lambos of the Winnipeg Ice is our guest. Um, just speaking of the first round before we move on to look at what's next for your hockey club. Um, you know, we know that Winnipeg is a, a very, very busy sports market. You had the Jets and the Moose and the Ice playing. I'll say this, though, those first few games, I mean, an absolutely capacity crowd. I mean, uh, what do you remember about that atmosphere? How exciting was it for you and your teammates uh, to get into round one? And what do you expect it'll be like heading into uh, the uh, future series as your team continues on in the postseason? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a fun atmosphere those first couple, couple games and then uh, game five, too. Uh, I think the fans were behind us and uh, we fed off them and we were able to, you know, uh, do take care of business in our home barn. So I think that's what we, we really want to do moving forward. And uh, the fans have been great for that atmosphere, and it makes it a lot of fun for the players. Carson Lambos is with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, getting ready for Friday, May 6th, Saturday, May 7th, game one and two of round number two. Um, You know, if, listen, it's a one versus eight and, you know, format. You don't really know who you're going to be playing. But, I mean, the one thing that I guess you and your teammates do know that as long as you're as long as you're progressing, you're starting off at home, you've got that home ice, you've got the crowd behind you. Um, how have you been building towards uh, starting off round two equally as well as you did against PA in the first round of the playoffs? Yeah, I think it just um, it comes with, uh, you know, obviously respecting your opponent and, and knowing that it's going to be harder this series than it was the last, and that's the way it's going to be until the end. So um, I think it's important for us to to come out knowing that it's going to be a good battle. And but I think if we if we trust our system, trust our game, and uh, you know, we work hard as a team. I think it's going to be hard to beat us. Tell us about the Moose Jaw Warriors, your opponent for round two that you'll be uh, hosting Friday and Saturday at the Ice Cave, Carson. Yeah, I think they got, um, you know, a lot of high-end skill guys in their first couple lines and, um, you know, a good strong decor. And um, so they're, they're, they're a good team. They play with a lot of skill. They play with, uh, you know, a lot of pace. And, um, you know, I think it'll be a good challenge for us. Uh, Carson, the uh, well, you guys were what five one zero and one in the season series. Although the final game was a win for the opponents, um, how, how much do you do you lean on? Do you think about the regular season when you're going into a series like this, or is it maybe a matter of just getting some tendencies pointed out from the coaching staff, but realize that uh, it's all starting at zero zero right now, and none of that really does matter when you drop the puck Friday night. Yeah, I don't think you want to look back at a regular season and and see that you know uh, we had it we had success against them in the regular season and to think that we're just going to have the same thing in the playoffs because it's a different beast and um, you know there's injuries and things like that throughout the season and uh, you know the playoffs every every guy is giving it their all which um, you know it's uh, it makes it for a harder game and uh, I think you can't uh, you can't just reminisce on your regular season success and expect to do well in the playoffs you have to earn it every night. 
Um, you know, obviously the focus is on round two, starting on Friday. But, you know, while we've got you here, I did want to talk about the team overall and your season in particular. Um, I mean, you guys were the best team in the Western Hockey League. Did you have those expectations that you guys could be as good as you were through the regular season coming in? Or did you sort of learn a lot about the talent that was on the club, some of the new players, the acquisitions that have come? and um, you know, realize that you're able to continue raising the bar and uh, and tell us a little bit about how James Patrick, our head coach, handled the success that you guys had had this year that most players had not enjoyed at any other point in their uh, in their junior careers. Yeah, I think we had confidence in our group from day one. I know I did. Uh, I think we all expected big things from our team. I think in our room we knew, uh, you know, the players we had and what we were capable of doing and. Uh, so it doesn't come to a surprise uh, to, I think, anybody on the season that we had, the regular season. Um, I think James has done a great job with us, uh, keeping us, you know, with the end goal in mind, because sometimes we go on long stretches of success, and it's important to not just um, not just think we win, we won this game tonight, so we're okay. It's important to, uh, you know, realize that you got to improve and, and look at the mistakes and, and still challenge and he really challenged our group to get better, uh, even when we were having long stretches of success. You know, as a uh, as a talented young defenseman that was drafted in the first round of the NHL draft with the professional aspirations, uh, I imagine it's uh, it's a great benefit to have a guy like Jeep on your bench that has had such a great NHL career as experienced. I mean, how has James Patrick in particular helped you during his time on the bench become the player that you are? And um, fill us in on, you know, just the way that you feel that you've developed after your first NHL camp throughout this season uh, up until this point, heading into round two on the weekend. Yeah, James has been great for me uh, my whole career. I think coming in as a 16-year-old, I was raw and had a lot, lot to learn and a lot to figure out about the game, and I still do obviously uh, and that that never ends but i think uh, just kind of realizing my role and him helping me realize my role and uh, you know ha doing things th in a way that will help me have success at the next level not just uh, falling into bad habits uh you know when you can maybe get away with a few things here and there and he's really held me accountable in that sense which has been which has been really good for me so i think he's he's really helped me uh, kind of progress uh, over the past 3 3 4 years i've i've had i've spent with him a big part of the, uh, I mean, listen, a big part of junior hockey uh, for so many young men, especially when they're in their draft year, is, um, you know, the opportunity to hear their name selected by the National Hockey League. Um, what was, how much did, tell us about your experience with the Wild after being drafted. You go to prospects camp, you go to training camp, and then obviously come back to junior. What was all of that experience like? And, um, you know, how much of that were you able to take and help you grow as a player and help the ice to the heights that they've achieved this year? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, my couple weeks I spent in Minnesota there, uh, you know, starting with the prospects camp and uh, kind of seeing where you're at there and just realize that it's uh, it's it's a it's a business like approach there every day. And uh, you're doing everybody's doing everything they can to to be better, um, you know, so I think that that really stuck with me. Um, and then being around, you know, just for, you know, maybe less than a week, I was uh, with some of the veteran veteran players there and seeing the way they handled themselves and uh, the way they approached the game. I think that was really beneficial for me. And I, I, um, you know, it, it really, really, I really learned a lot from those, those couple weeks in Minnesota. 
How uh, how did the season go? I mean, I know obviously uh, you know knowing Jimmy Roy and Mike Keen and you know and what they do for Jets draft picks throughout the year. How much contact did you have with the Wild organization throughout the season? And uh, uh, did you watch a lot of the game? Were you paying attention last night for the first game one between the uh, the Wild and Blues in the Stanley Cup playoffs? Yeah, I um, I I have uh, quite a bit of contact with you know a couple of the guys they have for player development there they come and watch some of my games and uh you know touch base with them uh, after games or when they're in in town and i uh, really try to learn as much as i can uh they, they give me pointers and and you know really really show to me and tell me what i what i need to work on before i'm going to be ready to play at that next level and uh, i think that's hugely beneficial Carson Lambos with us from the Winnipeg Ice. Carson, I remember, I think the first time we ever spoke, I believe you were 15, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, popped into the studio on Pemina Highway as uh, something we were doing with Hockey Manitoba, and you were one of the young men playing for playing for Team Manitoba. At that time, we didn't have a Western Hockey League team here. Just from a personal standpoint for you, your family, your friends, how much you've enjoyed, had the opportunity to do this in your hometown, and uh, what, what, what do you think that's done for younger players in the province um, that have aspirations to eventually play in the National Hockey League would have that opportunity to hopefully play a little closer to home than Brandon and Brandon being the, uh, up until this point, the only other Manitoba team in the Western League. Yeah, it's been really special to be able to, you know, spend a big portion of my junior career here and uh, just to see um, or just to, to be around home and be able to play in front of my friends and family all the time. Uh, you know, having uh, having that good home base, it's it's been awesome and, and nothing nothing but the best. I've really enjoyed it. And then hopefully, you know, there's some young players that uh, look up to us and, you know, having the WHL here, they can see, um, you know, what it's all about. And uh, maybe they some some young kids come to the game and they they want to they want to be they want to be on the ice uh, one day. So uh, being a role model in, in that sense is really awesome. And uh, being kind of a hometown guy that that. Uh, some younger kids can look up to it's pretty special well uh, this is a special time of year i mean you guys have worked hard to get to this point you had an incredible regular season but as we all know uh it's all about the playoffs um it, it must be exciting though knowing i mean the wait for a long time you guys knew you were destined for the playoffs it was sort of hurry up and wait to get that first round series out get the win under your belt to now uh, get into this final eight. Um, uh, uh, but at the same time, and I'm sure the coaching staff has beaten this into you guys on a regular basis, it ain't getting any easier. And, uh, you know, this is going to be another big, big challenge. Uh, but I do imagine you'll have uh, a continually growing number of people behind your team uh, when the puck drops. Uh, just a quick look ahead to, uh, to round number two and uh, what fans can expect if they haven't been out to the ice cave on uh, Friday and Saturday night for games one and two to see you and your teammates. Yeah, I think we're going to come out flying. Uh, you know, we've had a bit of time off since our last series, and uh, the excitement's at an all-time high, and it just only only keeps getting better. And uh, you know, we've only we're only growing as a team, so I think we're you'll you'll see a team that that really wants to win, and um, you know, a group that's top to bottom, uh, committed to the common goal that that we all have. Well, it, listen, it has been so much fun watching you guys do what you've done so far, and uh, I know we're just getting started in the postseason, Carson. Thanks so much for doing this. Good luck to you and your team. And uh, let's hope that we can give you guys a little WST bump heading into round number two and uh, maybe get you back on later on the postseason as you guys continue going towards the ultimate goal, which would be a WHL championship and the opportunity to compete to the uh, to compete in the Memorial Cup. Yeah, that would be uh, that'd be lots of fun. Thanks for having me.
Perfect. So Adam Munzee and the gang, thanks for doing this. There it is. Carson Lambos of the Winnipeg Ice. Again, the uh, second round of the 2022 WHL playoffs in the Eastern Conference is set. It is the ice taken on the four-seeded Moose Jaw Warriors in a best-of-seven series. I was somewhat disappointed that the Wheaties got knocked out. I think anyone that follows junior hockey in the province, you know, we knew there was so much excitement when Winnipeg was coming here from Kootenai. Um, you know, and these teams have played so many times in the Battle of Manitoba, I believe 10 or 12 times this season. Uh, but there's nothing like, you know, a rivalry really getting stoked by a playoff series. And, you know, Brandon hung in there against a real good Red Deer team, but bowed out in game six of their first round series in Triple OT. So it will be the Winnipeg Ice and the Moose Jaw Warriors in a best of seven series. That Those games, games one and two, again, at the uh, at the Ice Cave, Max Bell Center, University of Manitoba, Friday and Saturday. Count yourself in. Go to winnipegice.ca for tickets. All right, Jeff Hamilton coming up in a few minutes. I do want to get back to the first round with Remus in just a second. Speaking of Remus, just before we went on the show, uh, we were just doing some, you know, some prep before we got on. He says, hey, I got to get out of here for a second. My Culligan delivery is here. And of course, Remus, Kenny Weave, the, the hydrated of us all, taking advantage of the go-to people for water services in Winnipeg for over 65 years as a family-owned business. And that, of course, is our friends over at Culligan Water. 1200 Sargent Avenue, 694-5180 drinkculligan.com and they've got it all water softeners filters bottled water coolers whole home systems drinking water systems citywide water delivery services and if you need something for your business they also have great commercial and industrial water products and solutions whether it's for your home whether it's for the cottage whether it's for your business culligan has you covered hit them up at 1200 sergeant or visit them at drinkculligan.com and uh, Donnie and the gang over at Manitoba Battery have been such great partners of ours. And uh, for so many of our customers as well, or our listeners, have become great customers of Manitoba Battery because they're saving time and saving money um, dealing with a local business. Uh, here's the Manitoba Battery math, if you will, to uh, quote our friend over at Rick, uh, Rick Ralph. Say you need a deep sacry battery for your camper. You go the whole through the whole process of driving to Costco, finding a parking spot, walking into the store, finding your battery on your own with no help, carrying that battery to the checkout line, waiting in line, paying, walk back to your car and drive home. The whole process is going to take you an hour. You'll spend 125 bucks minimum. Or you can call Manitoba Battery, order the same battery for 110 bucks. They'll bring it to your door that same evening, and they'll buy your old battery for 10 bucks. The whole process will take you less than five minutes. Will cost you 100 bucks for the battery. You'll save 25 dollars an hour of your time, and you won't burn any gas, which these days is a lot. That's the kind of math that works for Winnipeggers that always love a good deal. You can find out more at ManitobaBattery.com. Give them a call at 783-8787 to support local and save yourself some time and money. And of course, speaking of uh, saving some time and money, you've got sports needs. Uh, you can do it all quick, easy over at our friends at Royal Sports, 750 Pamina Highway. I'm not sure whether the 55 jerseys are on sale yet. They might be very soon. But when you're thinking Jets gear and Jets merchandise, uh, no one's got a better selection in and around town than our friends over at Royal Sports. And it's not just the Winnipeg Jets. It's the entire National Hockey League. It's Blue Jays and Major League Baseball. It's NFL with the draft caps coming in and more. Uh, not to mention the NBA and international and European soccer. Uh, but it's much more than just merchandise. They've got the massive hockey department, and they've been the experts in hockey for almost 40 years in town. 
but a huge bike section, which with added con uh, uh, st stock coming in daily, an expanded fitness section, and of course, another go-to spot for baseball, soccer, and softball equipment. They've got it all at Royal Sports. And I would definitely suggest following them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pamina for the latest merchandise drops and great deals from our friends over at Royal Sports. All right, let's get Remus back in here. Jeff Hamilton's going to join us in about uh, 10 or 15 minutes or so. Uh, but Remo, we did talk Jets off the top. We're going to be talking Jets a little bit later on in the program. Uh, I think maybe we get to a little bit more of the playoffs, although I can see you laughing about something. If I missed something in yeah. chat that's getting you going. So, so you mentioned, um, well, I brought up the Hendricks trade because we're talking about a fractured locker room. And I pointed that was kind of the first public sign. And then you mentioned... We were on the air together when that trade happened. I may or may not have just found the clip. Um, Come on. Where, 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 I don't know if I can play it or not, but. You can um, play it. I say, uh, I don't have a ready. We can save for the end. The Jets just <laughs> traded, acquired Matt Hendricks. There's a long pause and you're like, what? And like. <laughs> <laughs> give me like. Oh. Give, all right, we'll give, give, you want to give me we'll, thirty, like a minute here? Want to give me just thirty seconds? Yeah. Or? All right, that, okay, it sounds good. We'll let Remus get that up. I think people will be quite excited to hear that. In fact, I'm going to be quite excited to hear that because it was. I mean, honestly, it was one of the more bizarre moments. And I mean, we've covered every step of this hockey team since they came here in 2011. And there's been some, you know, some highs. There's been some lows. A number of lows this season. And I would suggest that we probably had some lows on the weekend coming out of the year, especially with everything that we've been talking about surrounding, you know, Mark Shapley's comments and, you know, his future with the team. But if you think back to that 2019 trade deadline with a team that was still incredibly talented, that had just been to the conference finals, that a lot of people were still thinking was capable of some big things. Um, Hendricks came in at the deadline and unfortunately not a lot got fixed. Um, you know, the team struggled down the stretch. And I'm not sure if there could be a worse sign for a team going into the playoffs than um, having, you know, Dustin Bufflin smashing a stick over the bench after the power play stayed out for a full two minutes and then having a players only closed door meeting after game number 81 of the schedule. Um, that's where it was. And you will recall the playoffs started off miserably. I mean, the Jets did have home ice. I mean, they essentially had blown first place, uh, you know, in the division. They'd had it for pretty much the entire year and finally lost it in the last couple of days of the season. You know, some people don't care about banners at all, but it would have been nice to have a division championship for the Central Division uh, up in the building. That did not happen. Um, and then, of course, dropped the first two games at home before evening the series in Philadelphia, real coming out party for Kyle Connor at that point, and then coming back in the infamous game five, which we'll all remember the two nothing lead, Kevin Hayes having an open net and somehow pulling the puck out of a sure three nothing lead. And then the roof caving in on the Winnipeg Jets in the final, uh, in the final period, scoring two goals, Jacob Truba's brain fart, Jaden Schwartz batting it out of the net three, two. And, uh, and that was the series. I mean, the Jets just were done going into um, going into game number six in 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 um, in St. Louis. And you know, in a lot of ways, you look back at you know that was a best of five series that unfortunately they had to play an extra game. Uh, but maybe we shouldn't have been so surprised that there was a players only meeting in game number eighty one 
Because if your general manager is reacquiring a player like Matt Hendricks at the trade deadline for a team that was in first place, it certainly would beg the question, what the heck is going on with this team? And unfortunately, as we've heard plenty over the past few weeks, uh, three years later, I'm not sure whether they ever figured it out. Yeah, solid solid recap uh, there, Hassan. Yeah, the Jets-St. Louis series. All right, I was I was at that game with my dad. I'll never forget. I mean, uh, I don't think we moved uh, moved for like twenty minutes after after that Schwartz goal. Uh, oh, game man. five, and just, then you just mentioned the word game five, and uh, most people, at least that have listened to our program for a long time, know exactly mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Game five in Winnipeg against the St. Louis Blues. Anyway, so I have found the clip here. Uh, so this is a good one. This is a good one. Uh, you want me to tee it up? So we're on, we're on the uh, you know the warm up there, talking about the, G- the deadline moves are coming, and the Jets have already acquired Kevin Hayes, and we were pretty excited about that. I remember being very excited the year before about Stasny, but then the news, uh, you know, we're I'm on Twitter, seeing the news, sorry, I'm remembering where I saved. And by and, the way, just to yeah. give folks the timing of this, like the trade deadline happens at two. We are yeah. on the air from two until three o'clock doing the warm up, having some fun as we always did. And then the afternoon ride would begin. So if I recall correctly, this was very late. Like this was one of these final deals that were in the hopper that, you know, are kind of released later on. Mm-hmm. Um, because it must have been probably more like quarter to three or 10 to three, right up near the end of the program when we got the news of this uh, unexpected deal for the Winnipeg Jets. Here, here it is. Oh, sorry, one sec. I got to edit. And I see a lot of people saying uh, Kevin Hayes, you know, was someone called him a bum in chat. I will disagree. I thought if they had won that game four, we would have been praising him. He was excellent in that game. And I felt like they kind of, they could never really find a, find a role that, for him that on the was, Jets. That was the biggest thing. I don't think it wasn't it was... that he wasn't a talented player. I mean, they just never found a fit for him. And I think he had played at times with the guys in the first line, the second line, third mm-hmm. line. And then as things continued, I mean, he was basically playing some fourth line minutes, but certainly a player. So this is back to the trade deadline, 2019. Our first signs that something was seriously amiss with the Winnipeg Jets. Jamie Thomas from the Jets tweeted that uh, TSN's reporting Matt Hendricks coming back to the Jets. Sorry? Matt Hendricks coming back to the Jets. Uh, Okay. Uh, (laughs) You're serious. That's not, is there a blue check mark? Are we? Yes. uh, Yes. Of of all the things I was expecting that the, the team would be loading up on today. Sorry, uh, Gordon. Yeah, probably Pierre LeBren tweeting. Gordon Miller says the Jets reacquire Matt Hendricks from Minnesota for a seventh round pick. Wow, that's an interesting one. Um, Got to replace uh, Brandon Lemieux in the lineup. Brandon Lemieux's grit. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> maybe. Got to get Matt Hendricks' uh, leadership good in the room. Come on, you saw how Edmonton fell apart after he left last year. <laughs> well, I. Jets didn't fall apart this year. Well, they are now, and they got to get Matt Hendricks' leadership back in there to right the ship. <laughs> yes, the vice president of morale, Matt Hendricks, coming back. Um, uh, well, listen, I mean, the reason why we bring that up is because, to be honest, it is um, like there was obviously something going on then. 
many of the same characters are still involved and here we are today still talking about things within the locker room and um you know of course the the future of mark shifley but um i think they've been working on that for a number of years uh but that was funny to hear it live for the first time remus since it actually happened three years ago because i do remember being absolutely stunned and and legitimately thought that you were just basically having some fun with me because Let's face it, it. We weren't really thinking that the Jets were in the Mark, the uh, Matt Hendricks market, heading into the uh, <laughs> heading into the trade deadline three years ago. I was totally right there. They needed his leadership to write to write the ship. I was. I may have been half joking, but um, that was a good read. That was a good read. I was was accurate. So, uh, and the re- again, the reason why we're talking about you know the trade deadline a uh, couple years ago. I mean, we're still here talking about it. Uh, three years, three years later, that was 2019. The 2018 plus four years, and still issues uh, stemming. You know, same issues here, uh, still going on. 2022. Well, Cra- crazy. Um, we're we're gonna get to all of it with Jeff Hamilton coming up in just a second. Uh, hey, I did see uh, this afternoon the All Star Superintendent over at Breezy Bend has said the tarps are coming off today. We got some beautiful weather over the next few days. The golf season is just about here. Uh, just need a little bit more drying out, I think, both at Breezy Bend and many courses around the summer. And we'll be back swinging those sticks. If you're looking for an incredible golf home, Talk to Corey and the gang over at Breezy Bend about everything that they can offer you and your family. Um, We've been playing there for years in an absolutely amazing spot with just great people, fantastic management, and amazing improvements over the last few years, even during the pandemic, both to the course, the clubhouse, and that beautiful patio. Find out more on the waiting list uh, as well as junior and women's golf programs online, breezybend.ca, or give our pal Corey Johnson a call. And uh, yeah, summer is here. Uh, I'm not sure whether your car has made it through the spring with all these potholes. You may have been already thinking about a new vehicle. Maybe you have to think about a new vehicle. If you are, before you do anything, talk to the experts over at Not Auto Corp. Um, They've got a great Tesla experience program right now. If you're thinking about potentially making a transition to electric vehicles, but regardless of what car you're looking for, why not get in the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not Team? Pop down and see them at Waverly and McGilvery or check them out online at not.ca. And um, tell you what, I don't know how that Jets uh, season wrap-up party was that normally happens with the Winnipeg Jets, uh, but there probably was a few guys cheersing each other, wishing them well with a 1919 knowing that uh, maybe they won't be back next year for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, that being said, whether you're cheersing, whether you're getting together with a friend, or whether you just want to show off the best beer that Winnipeg has, 1919 is it and all the great Little Brown Jug offerings. Pop down and see them at the uh, Little Brown Jug on William Avenue. You can try them all. You can buy all the beer that you want there, and they'll also deliver it to you citywide Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays at littlebrownjug.ca or pop by and grab Little Brown Jug at your local beer store or Manitoba Liquor Marts. All right, let's get to it. It's main event time. The Hammer is here. Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. And uh, I'm glad we gave ourselves plenty of time because there is so much to get to coming out of this season. First off, Hammer, great to talk to you again. How are you? What uh, What's going on? Always a pleasure, Huss, as you know. Uh, things are going. Um, you know, this has been a long, long, long winter, a seemingly never-ending one. So to see the sun, you know, make a 
make an appearance this week and and, and decide to to hang around a little longer. Uh, can't be can't say I've been in a, a better mood in a while. Well, my timing was great. I think I brought that son back from Las Vegas. Had a great week. Shout out again to our friends at the D Hotel in Barcana that uh, had the great hospitality for us last year. Uh, but got back just in time to uh, hear, see the end of the season and the end of year interviews. And you know, listen, we'd heard from a number of players um, and we've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks. I mean, Nikolai Ehlers, Kyle Connor in particular, Paul Stastny. But I will say this, Sunday was an absolutely fascinating day. Uh, and not just because of what we heard from Mark Shifley. I mean, I don't even know where you want to start. Maybe we start off with Wheeler and, and Stastny. Because for what, like, for the captain of the team, that I don't want to say, Blake didn't really say too much. And I mean, he's not quite a guy. And certainly a lot of it, as he said, falls on his shoulders. I don't think is going to be, you know, unletting both barrels at the leadership core or anything like that. But you know, to hear what Paul Stastny had to say was some of the most damning comments I've ever heard from a professional athlete. And I'll be honest to me, it carries way more weight when it's someone as respected as Paul that, you know, I've coined really is the conscience of this team for it to start there, Jeff, I think we knew what road we were going down in and it had been building through some of those other interviews, but Stastny certainly didn't hold back. And if there was any questions as to where this team was at the end of game number 82, despite winning their last four at home, we heard it loud and clear from a guy that potentially might not even be on the team next season. 100%. I mean, you know, as you mentioned, Hustler, uh, you know, Paul Stastny is, I heard you kind of, I think you were joking about Matt Hendricks. I was hoping that I was Googling it. <laughs> Uh, and didn't find anything, so I'm assuming. But he he has played that mentorship, leadership role. He's been the bridge uh, to the younger guys, um, to the older guys. And, you know, he's a guy who takes interest in everybody in the locker room. He is the epitome of a good teammate. So when he starts making comments like that, and let's be clear about something, he'd been inching towards that comment all season long. I mean, this is the guy who has been kind of the true serum for this for this for this team and to hear him say that I don't know you know as you mentioned I don't know if there's a worse thing you can possibly say about a, a team dynamic than to say that you potentially don't like the guy beside you in the don't locker room respect I mean, like respect, don't respect like, yeah, your worse, teammates in a team both. sport hockey that's te- all it's about right, that's where what it's you like build. literally the foundation of successful teams is cohesion you know, it's 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 to to bring it together, and I mean, he's talking about Mark Shifley. Like, let's let's just stop, you know, beating around the bush here. I mean, there's he's not talking about guys in the bottom six. He's not talking about his buddy Blake Wheeler. He's not talking about his favorite player Nikolai Ehlers. He's not talking about Kyle Connor, who set you know new highs. And I mean, we all know Mark has the you know point production. He's talking about individual interest. And I mean, if we didn't already know it was him. It was confirmed when Mark spoke because all he spoke about was what was best for him. Uh, you know, I'll piggyback off what Mike Mack was saying with you yesterday, I believe, in, in Stassi's comments, and that Stassi had hit a boiling point and he took Blake Wheeler's question and decided to just take over because he needed to say what he needed to say. And if you want to really analyze his comments, I mean, I don't think he was directly calling out Dave Lowry. I don't, you know, I think Dave Lowry was in a tough position with the interim tag and all that stuff. But I think what he was saying was that this should have been done earlier on. This should have been done more likely under 
Paul Maurice and should have been done somewhere down the stretch. And so for him to say what he said in what has been a week of, you know, disparaging comments, honest comments, refreshing comments, if you will, um, you know, he for sure stands out above the rest for how damning um, his statement was, not in just its it's just blunt honesty, but it's indictment towards this team where, you know, a team that's had for rumored for years to have this, you know, lack of cohesion and issues in the locker room. You know, and I mean, we've had this conversation a number of times. I mean, it dates back to the first time I brought it up in November on this program. And, and it wasn't that, okay, they got to get rid of Mark Shifley. It's that they have to do something. They have to make a significant change to this core. And it was more reading the room and reading the tea leaves with the contracts. And, you know, if I'm the general manager and at the end of the season, I'm looking at making a significant move and a shakeup, what's the guy that has the biggest market value that has some term on his contract that can, you know, can get me some big value coming back. And that was the genesis of, of those comments that I'd had in our conversations. Mm. But for, and, and I mean, listen, and part of it, honestly, and I've mentioned this a number of times, seemed that something had been wrong with Shifley in this group for dating back to that 2019 season. And that's why we were playing that clip from the 2019 trend deadline of the shock of the reacquisition of Matt Hendricks, of all people, at the deadline. Uh, for a team that was in first place, but that was going was going downhill. Um, but Shife's season, and he talked about it. He said he didn't like you know the first half, and that of course was the first half that I was expecting to see the best Mark Shife we've ever seen because of the carrot that was there with the potential of playing and representing Canada in the Olympic team. And at that point, you know, I was really wondering what the heck was going on with him, in particular, and and this hockey club. But to see how things progressed. And it was one thing on the ice, because to be honest, I will agree with him. The second half of the season for him, certainly offensively, was better than it was at the start. There were still some ugly moments in there in his own end and, and still seemed to be very disengaged at a lot of times and not not really caring as much. And that was just a, an observation. Um, if you had any doubts about any of that, they were pretty much put to pasture when Mark Shifley spoke on Sunday afternoon. Um for a group that had talked almost exclusively about what we need to do, what needs to change, there was absolutely zero of that from Mark Shifley. There was zero accountability as a member of the hockey club. And I mean, even Shifley's staunchest defenders in this town, I think, walked away going, holy smokes, this is uh, this is probably it. Yeah, and I mean, you got the vibe. Um, that he'd been waiting to say that for quite some time. You know, I think he wanted to set the, you know, not set the record straight because he didn't really get into specifics or any concerns about what his issues are, but I think he wanted to be very clear that he wasn't happy. Um, and you know what? The thing about it, and this isn't even necessarily the benefit of hindsight either, because, you know, Mark is, the body language on Mark Shifley has been bad for a couple of years now. Um, you know, he's never really been a, you know, a media guy. He's never been all really comfortable, you know, taking that responsibility on, but over the last couple seasons, and, you know, there's some areas you can particularly point out to, you know, after that, his suspension on Evans in the, in the playoffs, I mean, he was very, very combative, you know, when he finally spoke to the media and, and it, it just felt like it was this growing chip on his shoulder. You know, he took some shots at media, um, you know, he took some shots at, you know, the league, he just kind of seemed like a little bit of a bad boy for a guy who's never swore, you know, and, and it, it just, and, and, and it bled into this season. I mean, you, you watch him on, 
you watch him do, you know, interviews and, and media availabilities. And again, I know it's not his favorite place to be, but the body language is just, you know, he's not looking at anything. He's looking at the TV. He's kind of, you know, he's just, he, he looks jaded. He looks upset, you know, and, and I think for, for Mark Shifley and, you know, and he's done a lot of great things for this organization. I mean, he was, you know, he's kind of the poster boy, the first, you know, the first ever draft pick of the organization. Uh, you know, he's gone on to have incredible seasons point wise. You know, he's been one of those guys that's competed, you know, been a point per game player for six seasons. And that's that's an incredible feat. Um, so there's nothing taken away from those aspects of his game. But if you don't want to be here, it's like being in a relationship. You know, she might be cute. He might be cute. But if they don't want to date you then, you know, it's going nowhere and their interests are, are elsewhere. And I think that's the situation we find ourselves, you know, the Jets find themselves in is someone who doesn't want to be a dance partner anymore, who doesn't want to, you know, doesn't see the value and, and maturity. You know, certainly there's, there is some resentment, certainly to the contract he signed. And I think that's, you know, that's unwarranted. And at the end of the day, you know, you, you put pen to paper, uh, you kind of have to live with it, but, I that's also pathetic. Think- what are you supposed to do with that? Let's just quickly touch on that for a second, because that's been mentioned a number of times speculatively, and I have no idea whether it is true or not. But if that is true on an eight-year deal where in the CBA you cannot renegotiate, um, to let that affect you for such a long period of time, you want to talk about a damning indictment. I mean, can you imagine if Nate McKinnon did the same thing or Brad Marchand did the same thing? I talked about those guys earlier. I mean, Mark Scheifele's far from the only guy that put his pen to paper on a $50 million, $50 million U.S. deal and then thought, oh, see some other guys that maybe don't have the accolades that he has in later years. That's the way the market goes. I mean, if if that was the route, and I'm not sure that it was, maybe it played a part in it. Um like literally, there's nothing you can do about that. For that to fester and be an issue for a long time is is very, very concerning. And it's not it, the only way you get around that is trading the player because, as we said, there's no there's no recourse once you sign a contract in the National Hockey League. Well, no, and 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 that's the thing. I don't think that this is some pent up resentment um, that that Mark Scheifele's had. I mean, he and there's lots of things to point out. He fired his agent, you know, after after the deal. A uh, bit after the deal, he, uh, you know, he's been frustrated with his, with his, you know, you look at guys like Nathan McKinnon, they get, you know, they have advertising dollars. So they, you know, you know, it's, the money they're making outside of the rink is bigger than Mark Shifley. So Mark Shifley would look at him being in a Winnipeg market and seeing not, you know, realizing he's not marketable here. Right, like this well, isn't a place he has, where he has exclusively worn Nike stuff in every single appearance for, sure, for the for sure. last and I, and however I th- many you know, years. And, and I mean, and but look at his deals, right? Like, wasn't he like, you know, wasn't he a promo for like a Caesar? You know, and then the jokes of the Virgin Caesars, and then you know, like they, you know, the, then he was MPI. Like, you know, I think that the organization has helped, or you know, maybe his maybe his new uh, agent has helped in that regard. I don't think that is the root of where we are today, whether that is a budding resentment or not, I think it's Mark Shifley's belief. There's a lack of respect for him. You know what I mean? And, and whether it's the contract, whether it's, you know, the attention he's been getting, whether it's, you know, not being, you know, if you look at the Olympic rosters, I mean, a lot of people had Mark as the 13th forward, you know, he was a bubble guy. And then it was like, Oh, you know, he's not playing very well. So he just played himself off. That was the narrative leading up to it. And I think in a lot of ways, you know, canceling NHL players at the Olympics probably worked in his favor because it would have probably been worse if he didn't make the team. 
Uh, perhaps it would have been better if he did. Um, but I digress. I mean, I think this is something that is just, you know, we, you hear rumblings about Mark over the years. You know, you hear about um, just being just unhappy, right? And, and just not wanting to, you know, he is respected by, you know, he has a group of teammates. He certainly has, you know, respect him. I, you know, we know that he didn't want, he, he didn't like playing for Dave Lowry. I mean, he made that abundantly clear in his, in, in his post game, you know, uh, press conference. But at the end of the day, you're wearing a letter, you know, you're a leader. You're supposed to be a leader in that locker room. And I think what we re, what we're kind of realizing here is that Mark Shifley is a skilled, talented player. He's a goal scorer. He's a guy that can, you know, certainly uh, fill the net under the right circumstances but he's not a leader. And this is a guy who has now decided that he, you know, not only is he not going to be a leader on his team, he's now going to go out and get his. And it's a very ballsy move to do when you have two years left on, as you mentioned, Tass, a $49 million contract. I mean, you don't have any power. He did everything except for demand a trade. And it was interesting. I know you were talking about this with Mike yesterday is that don't get me like, you know, the Jets will say that, timing didn't work out yada 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 but they aren't talking to the media before they you know with after they talked to mark shifley i saw mark shifley in the hallway for like an hour before we had the media availability so like was he hanging around the rink for a couple hours and then doing his thing after you know what i mean like you're telling me a guy who just said what he said wants to hang out after, you know, they're supposed to go out the night before, right? The veteran players go later in the day for their exit interviews because they're hungover. So to me, like, it's just, you know, again, I'm not getting into this conspiracy theory whether they were held out. We know that they weren't going to talk to him after they talked to him. But the question was asked, did he ask for a trade? Well, it's specifically Mark Shifley asked for a trade. Well, did Mark Shifley's agent ask for a trade? Do you <laughs> need to ask for a trade? I mean, what the, the reality is, is if you don't get the answers that you're demanding now, you're going to want to leave. So it's as close to asking for a trade without actually asking for a trade. Now, the question becomes, is, is this salvageable? You know, is, is, is what, you know, can, you know, bygones be bygones? I think teams can, I think teammates can repair, you know, any damage. I don't think that this is an impossible thing to come back from. I just don't know if you can invite Mark Shifley back into your locker room and have an A on his chest. Like, you know, like when, when you have other guys that are looking at this and being, you know, this guy comes out and, and, you know, shares, you know, airs his dirty laundry and says that he, you know, this is what he wants from the GM and ultimately needs to be convinced to come back for the final two years of his contract. How do you go to, how do you go to war with this guy? You know, how do you go to battle with this guy? And so, I mean, at this point, you know, whether you think it's a Mm -hmm. foregone conclusion that he's going to get traded, if he doesn't get traded, it's kind of like the shovel day off situation, you know, with, with, with the, with the Blackhawks sexual assault thing, like the easy thing would have been to fire Right. Because it would have been gone, yada, yada. Now, you, you know, you've decided to keep him. And now, you, you know, you got to go through these counseling stuff and all these great things that, you know, the Jets have adopted post, uh, you know, Block and Jenner report here. Um, so the same thing applies to Mark Shifley, but in a different circumstance. So if you want to keep him, it's be, it'd kind of be easy to trade him right now because, you know, teams are going to want him. He's got to, you know, we know how friendly his contract is. We know what he can do on the ice. He can deliver a few different things, you know, valuable pieces back. It will be even harder, I believe, to keep him because now you got to convince him things are going to work. You have to appease a guy who decided to pretty much screw the system for the last three or four months. You have to convince him to stay. I mean, how pathetic do you look? 
Well, and listen, let's get let's get to this. I, I think the reason why this is a hard no, if you ask me, it's not happening. It's a fait accompli. He's gone. Is because I think that they came to this realization that they had issues long before this, even this season. I think this goes back a number of years. And I've said this before. I'm not sure that there's been a player that has been treated more with kids, gloves, coddled, whatever you want, than Mark Shifley, not just here in Winnipeg, but in a lot of other places. I mentioned this, and I got a lot of respect for a lot of the things that Paul Maurice has done, loved dealing with him, loved listening to him. But I've also said that I think Paul Maurice is, is, is one thing. He's very experienced and he's very smart. And in a lot of ways, his time is his fourth time around. You realize, like, what do you want to do? You want to not get fired. And in an act of great self-preservation, I think Paul Maurice correctly identified that this team had really gone all in on Mark Shifley as the guy and Blake Wheeler as well as part of that group and did absolutely everything to make him the centerpiece of everything as happy as possible. The one thing I'll say, I love Dave Lowry doing it a couple times late in the, in late in the season, the Jets are defending a one goal game. You know what he did? He actually put out his best players that help you defend a one goal lead as opposed to guys that you think might be happy getting a cheesy assist on an empty net goal. Paul Maurice never did that. There's so much evidence over the course of years that so many things were done. And this happens in pro sports. Why you do you keep think that your, happened? Huh? You keep your stars happy. And, yeah. uh, and, and then, and listen, at a certain point, he had had it. He knew that everything that he tried wasn't working and walked away on this. But if you don't think that the central figure in all of that is Mark Shifley, I'm sorry. I don't think you've been paying attention. Not you, just people in general. Well, no, and I think that, you know, if you want to look at that situation, why do you think Paul, you know, why do you think Paul Maurice had to walk away from his job as you had a teary-eyed owner wondering what was going on? And then you had another guy who decided to stick up to 55 and he stopped playing the system for the rest of the season. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, those are the two differences. I mean, Paul Maurice wears this for sure. I mean, that's what essentially Paul Stastny's saying. Uh, you know, again, I don't think he's calling out Paul Maurice specifically. I think he's got a lot of respect for him. Um, that respect probably dipped, I imagine, by him leaving. Um, but I think it just speaks to not being able to tell these guys, you know, what the deal is. And, and that's a cultural thing. And that's not just Paul Maurice. That's not Dave Lowry. That's, that's Kevin Sheveldayoff. That's Mark Chipman. I mean, the culture in the, you know, the, the culture for this team has always been around these guys can't do not anything wrong. I mean, and then if you want to go back, I mean, the reality with this club is after 2018, everyone started buying into their own hype. You know, everyone decided that, you know, we're a good team. It's just, you know, we'll just, you know, it will, it will all be easy from here and yada, yada. And you've seen the results since. I mean, it's funny too, right? Because you look at their, you know, the, the, the you know, four years, you know, the team made the playoffs. Well, yeah, 2018 was a great year. The rest were garbage. You know, I mean, that was like, one was a year that they made it in the pre preliminary round. It was almost kind of funny how they figured that out. They, they squeezed into the playoffs. Last year, they got they, they swept the Oilers and then got swept by the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, this team, you know, particularly guys like, you know, Mark Shifley, you know, Blake Wheeler, like contending for Stanley Cup, 
Evan Sheveldayoff. off. Did you hear that come out of his mouth? We've been contending for Stanley Cups. No, you haven't. You, you, you got close one season and you've been regressing ever since. So, you know, and then this year, the year with the greatest expectations, uh, you don't even make the playoffs. And it's not even like you didn't make the playoffs. There's two other teams ahead of you fighting for that last playoff spot. You, Vancouver Canucks beat you. You know, didn't, he, didn't, you, didn't you take one of their D-men over the summer to, to, to bolster your group? And then they finish ahead of you? Like, the, the Vancouver Canucks were a tire fire. You know what the difference was? They actually admitted it. They knew they were a tire fire. Guys were talking openly in the, in the first half of the season about how things weren't going great. And the expectations on them were not high. They were not viewed as a future playoff team. And yet they were still being able to reflect in the mirror. We haven't seen that at any level of this organization admitting, you know, from ownership, whether or not they're admitting they were wrong in their decision. You know, Kevin Sheveldayoff, same thing. Whether it's, you know, committing to the wrong players or the length of players or, or believing that this was the leadership group that was going to take this team, you know, to greener pastures and be the future. I mean, you had Mark Chipman show up on TSN Guy never talks. He didn't talk to anybody. He showed up on TSN to tip off that they were going to be that they were going to be signing Kevin Chevalier to a three-year extension. And, the, and 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 what I found interesting about that interview was, did anyone else get the feeling that like like I thought this was supposed to be like Mark Chipman, like the 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 leader of this group, the confident you know direction. He did. He couldn't even stare at the camera. Like he just looked down. It looked like to me, it represented everything about the Winnipeg Jets. It's just that you know they're they're they you know they know what they're doing. They're going to do it and yada yada, and they're going to do it their way. Well, this isn't the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. It's not a nine-team league. You know, you can't just stick around, build a culture based on cutting guys at any point. If you have that, yeah, maybe that would make a lot of sense. But there's decisions that have 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 pretty much. You know, Blake Wheeler is, is saying that this team is no longer a Stanley Cup contender and they feel like they're back to square one. I'd be very curious about what Blake Wheeler's future looks like. Does he want to be here? You know, does he want to go through two years of building? I mean, this is a cap, salary cap team for the most part. You know, I mean, and that, clearly they need a shakeup. But if, 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 if he doesn't believe that this team is, is destined for the playoffs or isn't a Stanley Cup contender or isn't, you know, or back to square one. I mean, what's the interest in playing here? Well, so, you lots know of things to figure out here, Huss, but it's just like, it's just, <laughs> it just seems like when, when, when a man, like we didn't even get into this whole idea that, Hey, we're not going to re up your contracts as coaches, but feel free to come back into the employment line and throw your hat in to get the job here. Does like, that really what, matter? Or is that just a nicer no, way of saying you guys are all, all gone? Just to like, you can't even say you're so worried or paranoid about your image. You can't even say we're not renewing these guys. Thank you, Charlie Huddy. We hired you for 11 seasons. We're not renewing your contract. You can't even go that. I didn't fire them. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't, don't put that on me guys. <laughs> Like I just I don't even get it. It's become a circus. Like we were talking about that. Of the NHL. We were talking about that before the uh, before the show, and I said to Remo, like, what must Claude Noel be thinking? I mean, he actually did get fired. Everything else that's happened. I mean, that is just 
part of the job in professional sports. And you're at a point now where no one's being fired. They're all welcome to apply for the openings within the, within the organization going forward. Um, and as Remus mentioned before, I mean, maybe guys will love this jo- Jet, Jets job as a head coach because it is so hard to get fired here going forward. But um, listen, I, I, I want to bring this back to there's two things I want to ask you. But just before we move more into the into the the present We've talked a lot about where this was going back. And I mean, you mentioned the 2018-19 season. And I mean, I I always keep going back to that because it was so blatantly obvious that there were some things that were going very, very wrong on a team that was so damn talented that legitimately had Stanley Cup aspirations. And they should have. They were at the top of the league or right near the top of the league around the new year. And things progressively got worse throughout the season the players only meeting after game 81 the bowing out the worst body language i've ever seen from a number of players particularly 55 after they bounced out i mean do do you share my opinion that this stuff goes back to that as far back as that season and any theories on how this all started because i'll tell you what coming out of the way that they played in 1718 there was justifiably an incredible sense of enthusiasm and optimism that this team was very close to not just being in the conference championship, but taking that next step and, and be playing for hockey's Holy grail. Absolutely. This isn't a one year mishap. You know, this is a, this is a a few years in the making and, and it's a number of things. I mean, you know, you often hear winning fixes everything. Well, the jets haven't done a lot of winning, right? I mean, They've made the playoffs in the last four years, even last year when they got through that first round. I mean, what didn't they? They backed into the playoffs. But that like year they were winning. Game. Like that's the thing. They were winning. Like to me, Line is a central figure in all of this because I mean, Line had the back-to-back years, thirty-six and forty-four uh, goals. And then he scored 18 goals in that month of November. And it seemed like, you know, basically the Winnipeg Jets had, you know, arguably the most lethal score in the National Hockey League. And, um, you know, there was the ruffled feathers. There were all those things that happened down the stretch. I mean, it it's fascinating because there it, everything seemingly was in place. And, you know, while you can criticize Shevel Day off for a lot of the things that have come afterwards, I think that the way they built that team, that team had every opportunity to get back to where they were and even do more than they did the previous season. And it seemed like it com- it combusted from the inside. It wasn't anything on the outside. It was things that was happening on the inside that ended up dooming that team. And I'm not sure they ever got over it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, but I think it's a couple different things, right? I was saying, you know, winning or lack thereof is, is, is one thing. Lack of success. Uh, you know, it's a uh, Winnipeg has long winners for sure. COVID. Uh, for the last couple seasons in particular, Lee has been frustrating for, for all players. Um, but I also think it really is usage. Uh, I think this is a case where you have a bottom group of bottom six, particularly the fourth line, uh, where they don't feel they're getting any opportunity, right? There's no opportunity. Like, I, I would argue, like, how, if, you're a, you know, if you're a guy like, like Adam Brooks or like, you know, someone who comes in who's kind of a, a fringe player, like I don't think there's any opportunity to develop or grow here or to climb up the lineup. So I think there's a lot of, there's an understanding here that once you get placed into that bottom six, now obviously Andrew Kopp and others have, have done certain things, but there's just not a lot of opportunity. So they're not happy. And then there's the top six that's getting everything. And for whatever reason, they're not happy. So it's like you just have a group of people that are just unhappy. And again, Losing compounds those those feelings. Lots of you know, 
contracts, guys believing they're deserving of more money. You know, there's there's just so many different things that can be at play here and in, in, in dynamic in, in, in a group. But there's no way you can look at this season and just say, OK, this is you know, this was just a frustrating season. This is this has been compounding for a while. It's you know, the rumors have been out there. The chat, you know, the talks have been out there. I mean, you know, we call them rumors and speculation. Look, there's people in the organization that, you know, you get whispers from, you know, they, they let you know. And it, you got to, you know, sometimes take it with a grain of salt. Other way, you know, other things, it's like, okay, maybe there is some, you know, smoke to that fire. But I just, I just, I think at the end of the day here, it's, it just becomes like a lack of, you know, it's just a lack of accountability, you know, in, in all areas and, and, and really heart. I mean, how long, how many times have we said this, Haas, that this, you know, this fan base, they all, every fan base wants a winner, but I, you know, and I don't like speaking for an entire fan base that I, and I won't, but in Winnipeg, it feels like they just want an effort. And we, you know, we, we've seen that in spurts. I mean, we certainly saw that, you know, in the, in, in the 2018 run, but we just haven't really seen much of it. Right. And we, you know, we see these guys signing big money for long term and it's just not gelling. And I mean, it just comes down to it that sometimes you need a clean slate. Sometimes a player needs a clean slate, you know, and, and I think what's, what has been tough for some fans, at least when, you know, you know, when I judge it based off my email inbox is that it's just the same people, you know, it's the same people doing the same things. I mean, you know, the jets had their five year window. They had their, you know, like how many GMs get 14 seasons and only, you know, and only have, have one, you know, have one, what, three playoff rounds, not many. And so, you know, that's the, that's the passion of fans. And, you know, you look at this, you look at this city and, and, and this fan base, I wonder what it would be like if we were in Montreal or if we were in Toronto and these were the results. And I think, you know, I, I, I know it's different. There's, there's certain things that those organizations have advantages over the Winnipeg Jets. There's absolutely no doubt about that. That's a fact. And, finding players and personnel and that that extends to coaches and GMs as well but at the same time I mean something's got to give this organization is you know they've made some bold decisions they've done you know they've trusted the process in some ways but at the end of it something you know something needs to change and I think you know you do have to understand mm -hmm. here that there's absolutely zero chance that this organization thought they were going to be dealing with this at the end of the season right when you consider all the the hype and everything getting into this year. This is this is worst case scenario. Well, um, it is. It is. I'm not sure that they did. Listen, I'll actually will disagree. I think that there was plenty of people in the organization that thought that it might come to this and come to this being getting out of the Mark Shifley business and cons considerably significantly changing who the leaders are on this. Like, I'll bring this to you. If I had told you that a player had said what Mark Shifley said, but we're just getting the quotes and we didn't know who it was. If it was Nikolai Ehlers after the last few years, I would have almost got it. I would have understood because this is a player that has been by almost every metric has been the most effective forward on the Winnipeg Jets. And the guy can't even get on the damn first power play. Like I would have understood if Nikolai Ehlers had some of those comments. You know what? I need to figure this out. Maybe I'll be there. Well, he wasn't. I mean, he was the guy saying that, you know, we need to be responsible. We need all the things that I think many of us appreciated telling the damn honest truth about where we were at. And for players like that to be buying in and for the guy that, in my opinion, everything had been created around to keep happy 
to be where he's at. I, I, like, listen, I think the writing of for this was on the wall a long time ago. And maybe it could have been averted if they got it together. Well, it didn't. And things went even more south for Shife. And then, um, you know, if anyone was wondering about it, we heard it loud and clear on Sunday. And what, in my opinion, is probably going to be his last time at Canada Life Centre talking to the media. And I'm sure he'll that'll make him quite happy. Well, it's a slippery slope to us, right? Because you need to you need to appease your star players. You, there's a reason why you pay them big money. There's a reason why you sign them long term. Not everybody is treated the exact same way. But to your point, it just feels like you know Mark Shifley's gotten that right. He's 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 gotten the ice time. He's got um, you know he we know that he didn't like playing with Patrick Lining. You know he wanted to play with Blake Wheeler. He got that. And and so you look at. You know, and, and there's lots of stuff we don't know, right? What happens behind the scenes, how, why he could feel disrespected, you know, who's in his ear. You know, you often hear about stuff with Adam Oates and, you know, his direction and what kind of influence that he's had, you know, on players and their organizations. I know it's a, a contentious thing amongst coaches when you have, you know, guys, skills coaches like him who play as prominent a role in season. That's a challenging thing because – very, you know, they're not going necessarily with the same message that your coach is going. And you're, you know, you obviously trust this guy, you know, a lot. And so there, you know, there, there's a lot of things that happen, you know, over, over seasons. And it's not, it's, it's never just one little thing. It's, you know, it's, it's a bunch of things that accumulate. And, you know, I think everything's relative, right? I mean, a lot of people would say, well, if you gave me a million dollars, I would be, you know, happy and be able to solve all my problems. Well, you gave Mark Stifley $49 million. And that's not enough, right? Because he lives in a world where other people make more money than that. And, and you know, and he, and, and he has put up the numbers, right? If you look at his, you know, if you look at his uh, points, if you look at his abilities, I mean, he is a player worth more than he's getting paid. And I know we're kind of focusing a lot on 55 here, but, you know, it's not even like necessarily a resentment to the, the organization as much as it is knowing that, like, imagine knowing that Evander Kane may sign a bigger deal than you. Right when you were the when you were the franchise guy, you know, and and so he's just one example. He signed seven for seven. You know, Kyle Connor, who you he played on your line. Now I'm not suggesting here at all that Mark Scheifele is looking at Kyle Connor and going, you know, screw you, whatever. But Kyle Connor got his payday playing on a line with Mark Scheifele, and so like just some things add up. And so you know, if you let things gnaw at you, eventually they get too much, and you want to change the scenery. Here's the thing: I think Mark Scheifele could benefit from a change of scenery. I think you know. I don't think there's a player in the NHL. And I said this like last month, just watching what was happening. I said to people in the chat, guys, if we really want to call a spade a spade, looking at this situation right now, is there anyone maybe that would benefit from a change of scenery more than Mark Shifley? And this is why, as much as many, I think some people thought that we were trying to, you know, see things that weren't there or, you know, create a narrative to go forward as to how this team moves. I mean, it's a read the room situation, folks. And I mean, with his demeanor, with his level of engagement and knowing what he's capable of when he's playing as engaged as he had been in previous times here in Winnipeg. I mean, I think it was obvious, Jeff, you're exactly right. And that's why I wouldn't be surprised. As I said, the answer yesterday has Mark Shifley himself asked for a trade. Well, that would be no, that might've happened yesterday afternoon. But I would be stunned if that possibility hadn't been floated by other people around him to people in the know, specifically the guy in the GM's chair. Well, then there's the other idea that he, you know, Mark Shifley doesn't want to get traded, you know, so long as he 
ultimately gets what he wants, right? Which is what? This organization's been completely run around him for the last six years. Yeah, I don't have the the answer to that. I'm not getting getting paid GM dollars to to figure out what his problems are and what he needs to appease. But clearly it's a new coach. You know, it's clearly a system that he believes in. And it's just, you know, and it's, it's, you look at him. I mean, he's talk. think about everything he said, right? I mean, he likes the way his body is. He's, he believes he's in the prime of his career. That was a sales pitch to 31 other general managers in the league. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't worry about this year. Put me on another roster lineup and I'll, and I'll let up. And you know what? Like I said, he probably will. I think that's the scariest thing for Jets fans is, you know, sometimes you just hit the end of the road and like, you know, and, you can handle it which way you believe is the right way to handle it. And, you know, some won't agree with you. Some will. But, you you know, you know the Winnipeg Jets aren't eager to trade him. You know, you know that they wouldn't want to have a breakup with their, you know, first overall, first ever draft pick. Um, but I think this is this is the leverage that Mark Shifley has and he's using. I think that's his, that's about as simplistic as we can make it is that, he knows he's under contract for two years. He knows everything that we're talking about. It doesn't matter. He doesn't want to waste the next two years. He knows, and if, I mean, let's just do the math here. He knows how important next season is. Because after next season, he can sign an extension. Whatever team he's on, he can sign an extension. I think Mark Shifley knows that he's probably not getting, you know, he's, maybe he's in his prime. I don't think he's getting better than he is right now. Um, could be. And so, and if he is, it's probably in the next year. So if you think about it, if you don't like, if you don't feel like your talent is getting maximized in a year, that could literally mean. Who is that on? Potentially 50, $60 million. You know, again, I'm just saying. This is, this is, I guess, is my point about just how stunning. Well, maybe it wasn't stunning because as I said, I wasn't really surprised to hear it because we've been seeing it. It's been right in front of our face this entire time. But like, what what is the problem? I mean, I keep going back to the fact I think so many other guys have a problem with the fact that everything has been done for this guy and he's returned them absolutely nothing to the point where Paul Stassi is saying we've got guys that don't respect the other players in the room and are doing it for themselves. Like, what the hell could he want? Uh, and, and to be honest with you, here's the other thing, Jeff. You think it's going to be better somewhere else? Like you're going to roll in, oh, Carolina's going to pick up. You're going to go into Rod Brindamore and Rod Brindamore is going to treat you with, you know, give you more than you got here in Winnipeg, basically getting everything you wanted this entire time. Sorry, it's not going to happen. It's delusional. It is a complete lack of self-awareness. And I'm not sure we've ever seen it on display as much as we did on Sunday afternoon down at the rink. Yeah, it might be a lack of self-awareness for sure. Or it might be they know exactly what they're, you know what their options are maybe they maybe they know there's a market you know there's a market for a point per game player oh yeah absolutely so i mean no, but know, I, I guess the question those, is what do you I, want? I really do think it goes back to how important next season is and if you don't believe like here's the thing maybe mark shifley doesn't believe they'll be able to bring in a you know a daryl sutter or a, you know a coach that is going to turn things around or if or you know what coach he would need to benefit from that right so i think it's at this point, maybe it's because here's the thing. If a team trades for you, duh, they want you. So maybe he just, maybe, you know, maybe it's just all about that respect. And, and you know what, you know, we can argue, you know, and I didn't argue, we can talk back and forth about what Mark Shifley's got from the Jets and, you know, what he's given and, and, and all these things back and forth. But sometimes just, you know, time, you know, maybe time heals the wounds over the offseason. Maybe there's a, you know, they bring in a new coach and he flies out to, 
wherever Mark is at whatever point in, in the off season and they have a good chat and maybe he comes back and he's, maybe he's able to take a deep breath, right? Maybe he's able to reflect and see that, you know, maybe there are errors in his ways. And I think this, I, I wouldn't take this off the table. If Mark Shifley comes back, you know, whether it's an off season interview or whether it's the start of next season, I think he can mend fences. I think he, you know, if he owns up to, you know, talks about his frustration in a way that is, that is genuine and believable, I think things can go on. But I just, I think at the end of the day here, I think both teams know, or both sides know that he's not going to be here beyond the two years. So rather than, you know, play out that final season, you know, get traded at the deadline, then maybe sign in the off season or whatever. I think this is Mark Shifley's way of pushing it, you know, is pushing up this, this stock because I think he believes he can play, you know, with playing with different players maybe or whatever, whatever it might be that he thinks can be, you know, is a better situation for him. And that's exactly what he wants is a better situation clearly from his comments. Then I think that that makes, you know, whether you like it or not makes sense uh, individually. It's just when it comes to a team sport and particularly fans that are, you know, adoring of that team, they don't want to hear about what's best for you. They want to hear what's best for the club overall. Well, and and listen, I think that the rest of the guys in that dressing room that we've been hearing for the last two weeks feel the exact same way. And yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think this was obvious for a while, but at this point, I don't think it's salvageable. And from a team perspective, I mean, if you do, and I'm certainly on board with you, and I think it's been clear for a while that there wasn't going to be, barring some incredible success and the statue that Maurice talked about starts getting worked on outside the building. I don't think there was going to be a long-term big money extension at the age of 31. So if that's the case, it's incumbent on the general manager to make the move. And I think the only mistake that they've done right now is letting it get to this point. I think that this season, a number of things would have been different if they would have come to this realization earlier as opposed to letting it get to this point and having it being in my opinion, the central being the central figure in a lost season. And if you didn't believe it before, I'm pretty sure you do now after hearing so many members of the Winnipeg Jets speak over the last little while. Well, how many times have I said this on your show, Huss? What was the acquiring of Pierre-Luc Dubois for? I think that, you know, I don't, I agree with you. I don't think the issue had been addressed. Maybe they thought, maybe they hoped it would go away. If you gave him what you thought he needed, ice time, all the things that Mark Shifley gets, great. But I think he knew this was brewing. Whether it was, you know, a growing frustration from from fifty five, or if it was just the simple understanding that you weren't going to be able to keep him at a reasonable price point for his next deal. And I think you're looking at, you know, what they gave Blake Wheeler, and you're going, well. We don't want to give this guy eight point something plus $10 million a season. You know, we already got his best years, right? That's the, you know, like, and, and like, like I said before, Mark Shifley signed his deal at the worst possible time because it was at a time in the NHL where you, where guys weren't getting paid for what they were going to do. And now you can make the argument that, you know, Mark Shifley wasn't a $6 million player at that time. I disagree. I think he was on the, cusp of getting close to 30 goals that year. Uh, Mike Babcock called him one of the best players, uh, best centerman in, in, in the league before he signed his deal, right around, right, right before he signed his deal. Um, you know, he, and at that time he was running Team Canada for the Olympics. So, there, you know, he signed that contract at a time when you weren't getting paid for what you were going to do. Blake Wheeler signed his contract at a time where you were getting paid for what you had done. 
And then those shifted. They changed. And so I think the reality is, is, is that the Jets know that if they're going to retain Mark Shifley, they're going to have to pay him above probably what he even is market value to stay in the city where he felt undercut. That's what Blake Wheeler got. Blake Wheeler was underpaid for all those years and then got overpaid. Why wouldn't Mark Shifley want exactly what Blake Wheeler got? Of course he would. So if you know he's not going to be sticking around and you have the opportunity to acquire a 23-year-old centerman or at that time 22-year-old centerman in Pierre-Luc Dubois, that's exactly what you're doing because you know this day is eventually coming. And I just don't think whether they did enough, whether they did the right things, whether they didn't do anything, I think this was festering and that was one of the moves that was built in as a backup plan in case things went off the rails as they so clearly are today. Yeah, well, listen, don't even get me going on the Dubois trade right now because as much as I love Dubois and what he makes in, I mean, I think right now we're seeing that, I mean, this organization had a decision to make between a couple of players and they were already, I think they felt pot committed with the contracts to Mark Shifley and they weren't with with Patrick Laine and moved him. Um, I, I'd be interested to see if you went back in time and gave them the same options as that were presented at that time, whether they would go about things the same way. Because I think you still could have gotten Dubois, but maybe the guy you were moving wouldn't have been Patrick Liney and he still could have been on. But that's a whole nother that's a whole nother discussion that we uh we can get into. Um just quickly, I know we've been on this for a long time. Um the Shovel Day Off extension is interesting. And I'd said this yesterday, and Elliot Friedman sort of echoed what I had speculated with KNR yesterday that this had been done a while ago. Um, because to be honest, as much as I think some people are bent if they're not fans of what Shovel Day Off has done and figures that someone else should be leading the way, this is the worst possible time to make that move. I mean, you really needed to figure that out. You know, at some point earlier in the season, like many other teams have done and work their way towards hiring a general manager so that you're ready to take on the offseason right now. Because to be perfectly honest, especially with the exacerbation of the Shifley situation going into the draft, these next two months for the Winnipeg Jets, while 16 teams right now are competing for the Stanley Cup, the work happening behind the scenes with how they rejig this roster and the future of Mark Shifley is maybe the biggest decision this team has made including the Line A Dubois trade over the course of 11 seasons. So deciding at this point that you're going to bring someone else on, um, it, it really doesn't work. They had made their bed. They're sleeping in it right now. Uh, but I really do sort of feel that the reason why this was thrown out first by Mark on Friday and then with Ken's report on the weekend is that, you know, there's tons of questions about what's happening, coaches, Shifley and all that. The one thing they did want to let everyone know, don't even start talking about Kevin Sheveldayoff because he's the guy calling the shots going forward. And that was just confirmed, I guess, over the last couple of days. Yeah, and I mean, I go back to an earlier comment. I mean, I don't think that they would have ever imagined in a million years that this is the the end of the season that they would be enduring. So I think it made complete sense that if, if things went to plan, and I mean making the playoffs and going on a fairly deep run, whether you you know whether you won the Stanley Cup or not, um, even just getting through a couple rounds and pushing for it would have probably warranted you know a three year extension, or at least would have been more palpable to the fan base. Um, and so I think, as you mentioned, Haas, I think you know this is your bed now. You're sleeping in it. I don't think you know. I certainly think that Paul Maurice's departure cemented the importance. If you will, you know, this might sound weird, but cemented the importance of Kevin Chevalier to the organization because of that special, you know, that tight knit group of Mark Chipman, Kevin Chevalier and 
and, and Paul Maurice, I think it's too overbearing for this organization to search for a new GM and head coach. It's too many new voices in an organization that prides itself on keeping its cards close to its vest. So the idea that you're just going to find, like, I think the, the search for a head coach is going to be a daunting task for Winnipeg. I mean, I know there's lots of suggestions from fans out there that they should go get this guy or this guy or this guy. I don't think it's that easy. You know, I think you need to find a, you know, it's interesting, right? The question that's being asked is, do you need to find a head coach who can kind of whip the guys in shape, right? They, you know, lots of talk about like a Daryl Sutter type or someone that's going to come in here and, and maybe wield a hammer and just, you know, throw things down and make sure that, that, you know, everyone's on the straight and narrow, right? I mean, maybe that would work, but I think you also need to find a head coach that believes in the philosophy of the organization. And I've said this several times on this show before is that you need to have someone who's part of that trio. And I think that's why it was so disappointing uh, for the ownership and, and, and management to see a guy like Paul Maurice leave because he was part of that crew. There was, you know, there was that even, even when things got tough, you knew that there were people in your corner, you knew that you could trust certain people. Now you're finding new bodies. And so the idea that you're going to, going to toss, you know, have to search out a new head coach and then, then search out a new general manager is tough for any organization. I think it's particularly tough for this one. So, you know, it, and, and I don't think you can backtrack, right? I mean, can you, can you say, okay, well maybe we'll give you two years instead of three. I mean, uh, and the funny thing too is if Kenny doesn't report it or whatever, I don't, you know, we're not, they're not probably talking about it at the, you know, at the, at, at, at the press conference, right? They're probably saying, well, you know, we're going to reflect on things. We don't talk yeah, but about that contracts. doesn't get floated out unless they want people to know about it. Well, I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. It's like, listen, let's when, not talk when, about this anymore. It's sure. a non-starter. Think, Here you go. Well, I think they knew it was bad. They might as well just deal with it all at once than having, you know, a blow in the, you know, in the, in the off season. Cause we, as we saw, whether you like, you know, a lot of people do, think Kevin Chevalier has done a good job and he has at certain points, you know, there's, there's no doubt about it, but there's a lot of people that aren't happy. Right. So instead of making them more unhappy in the off season, let's just make them all unhappy right now. And hopefully over time, you know, they can continue to do their things, deal with this, address it, comment on it, because here's the other part, Kevin Chevalier would have to talk right. The next time, you know, if he signs a contract, he doesn't just, you know, go on headlines and then he doesn't address it, he'd have to address it. That means more questions in the off season, more stuff about what's going on. So it made a lot of sense, you know, cause they don't make decisions like these without talking to a lot of people and overthinking it. And that, that I think that's double for this organization, just given, you know, what we've seen over the years. So, but I mean, I don't know, like it's, it's one of those things that it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting situation with Kevin Chevalier here because he's been here for so long. Again, he's done some good things. I think he's definitely done things that aren't so great. I think what's not talked about as much is, you know, often it's talk about look at the guys that signed big deals, right? Long-term contracts. Well, what about the guys that slipped away, right? What about the guys that didn't want to be here? And, you know, we hear stuff from Elliot Freeman talking about other guys wanting to get traded at the deadline. That seems like a reasonable thing, you know, with this club. And so, you know, something's got to give and, and, and that culture, I mean, it's, it's, you know, often it's said that GM's job is to provide the coach with the players. And then it's the coach's job to motivate, motivate and, and, and institute systems to play, you know, every night and be successful. But it, it really is all encompassing. Whereas you are, you wear that, right? I mean, even when you ask, you know, Kevin Chevalier off yesterday, you know, how much of it, you know, what are you deserving of this? How much do you own? You know, like, you know, he just, he sidesteps that one. Like he doesn't want to put any blame on himself. Like I, I feel like that goes a long way. Blunt honesty 
you know, I think would go a long way. We, you know, we failed this year. We thought it was going to be better than it was. And it wasn't, you know what I mean? We need to figure out what went wrong and fix it. Instead, it's all, you know, we spend to the salary cap and we were pushing for Stanley cups and, you know, guys are passionate and, you know, yada, yada. Like, no, like everyone knows it's a disaster except for the people who should be saying not those words. Cause you don't want to come out and be like, Oh, this is crazy. But you want to say that something isn't right. And it's my job to fix it. And now I have, you know, ownership's commitment, ownership's trust. It's now my job to put my head down, figure out what's wrong and fix it moving forward. And I'll be judged accordingly by the fan base based on my future decisions here. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, <laughs> Certainly going to give us a lot to talk about over the course of the offseason. You got a sec to talk Bombers before we're done here? Anytime, man. Let's talk. Let's, yeah, that, the other team. Let's talk the other team. For sure. Hey, listen, just before we do that, of course, Princess Auto is getting ready for Bomber season. They'll be sponsoring the Bomber pregame tailgates all season long. Just finishing up a very successful Grey Cup tour through Manitoba. It was very well received by Blue Bomber fans. And, of course, getting ready to support the Gold Eyes as well. Princess Auto is the spot where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Auto, pop by and see them at either the Panet or Portage locations, or you can shop online 24-7, 365 over at Princess Auto. Uh, our friends at Nikki Nikki DQ, I'm sure, are ready for the beautiful weather. Hey, we've been spending a lot of time getting those delicious stack burgers and blizzards, sometimes using the delivery apps, which, of course, the three Winnipeg locations are available on. But now it's time to get the crew to get down and uh, enjoy some of the sunshine we've got and some of the great taste of DQ offerings, especially the world's famous Blizzard. And if you're hungry, try the new Stack Burgers. They are absolutely phenomenal and are getting rave reviews from everybody trying what they've got cooking up at Nick and Nicky DQ. Northgate, DQ Niverville, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And some exciting news coming up very soon for the Nick and Nicky DQ group as I believe they're uh, getting ready for a little bit of expansion. And hey, our friends at Boston Pete's are good to go. Pop by BP yesterday. No better spot to uh, enjoy a couple schooners, a delicious gourmet pizza, my favorite Boston wings, and watch all the playoff action. We'll get to the playoff uh, action a little bit later on after we finish up with Jeff for tonight's, uh, tonight. Uh, but if you are looking for a spot to gather with friends and watch the big game, no better place to do it than Boston Pizza. And of course, you can order their game day meals and all their great uh, offerings online at bostonpizza.com all right hammer let's move over to the bombers quickly because it is a big day cfl draft day now the global draft went this morning as far as i can tell it was essentially just a cornucopia of international punters and kickers for the most part um but the bombers did make a deal today um you reported this earlier this morning trading their first and second round picks ninth and 18th overall to the Montreal Alouettes. They'll get the 13th overall selection as well as Canadian defensive tackle Cameron Lawson, who you know, in some ways is compared to Jake Thomas. Fill us in on this move by Kyle Walters and what was behind it going into tonight's festivities. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, the, the buzz about this draft, the thing about this draft is um, it's considered one of the weaker ones in recent memory, um, in recent history. So, I view this as a, okay, we have a guy that we targeted. Um, we have a need in behind Jake Thomas on the, on the defensive, on the defensive line, Canadian. Jake Thomas is certainly looking to start uh, this season, I imagine on defense. Um, so there, there's, there's some, uh, you know, a bit of a, some depth there for sure. So that's a nice pick. And then, you know, if you look at it, the Bombers just moved from ninth to 13th. 
right? I mean, they had nine and 18, but if you don't think there's anybody that you want kind of later in the second round, well, why not pick up a guy who was drafted? I believe he was second, maybe 16th overall in 2020. Uh, so, you know, you already have a second round pick and he's already, you know, he, he played he didn't register a stat, but I think he played four games with the Alouettes last season. So he's already got some experience. I mean, the reality with the CFL draft is two guys is that, you know, as many, many know, not many move on to, to play, you know, at all, let alone immediately. And so it's a bit of a waiting game in, in a lot of respects. And if you're the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, yes, I think you're looking at maybe addressing some O-line depth. You always want to have... You know, you always want to have, uh, you know, you want to have that position, as we've seen with the Bombers over the last few years, be your strength because it leads to a lot of great success, of course, on offense. So, you know, you'll always be looking for, for you know, offensive linemen. I think the Bombers are, they've become a team now too that is a destination that players want to go to. They're, they don't necessarily need to overpay. Uh, if they can continue that reputation, then then that makes their life easier. So I think they're in a prime position to, to really deal what they did today. I mean, not only, again, not only are they late later in the, uh, later in the, in the draft picks as being the, the, the great cup champs. Um, but if you look at their philosophy in the first two rounds, if you think you're, you know, the guy that you want at nine it, is going to be around at 13. Um, and you also want to address, a, a, you know, have a, a player with experience. I mean, I think the bombers come out of that looking pretty good. So, uh, and then after that, I'm not going to say it's a crapshoot because it's not necessarily a crapshoot. But um, you know, after the after the second round, I mean, there is no guarantees, right? You're looking for special team teamers. You're looking for guys that uh, you know can kind of fill out a roster and and maybe and, and maybe develop in a, in a couple of years. So when you when you consider all those things, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And, and on top of it, it being a, a bit of a weaker draft, I've talked to several uh, people around the league who have who have said that. Um, I think it, I think it bodes well for Winnipeg. And I mean, this is going to be another strong season for the Bombers. It's going to be an exciting camp starting, assuming that they get a CBA going, they still need to figure that out here. But, um, I think it's an exciting season for, for Bomber fans. And, and I think it's a, I think it's a nice little pivot, if you will, from what's been a grueling winter into what should be a pretty solid summer, particularly on the football field for the, for the you Bombers. know, there was one other interesting trade and it, it doesn't involve the Bombers, but it involved the Elks and the Ticats. And maybe this is Chris Jones already putting his stamp on uh, on a team, saying that, you know, hey, these guys, I don't want anything to do with them. But Edmonton gets 8th and 28th overall in the 22 draft. And the ninth overall pick in the global draft, for whatever that's worth. And Kyle Saxley, offensive lineman, linebacker Grant McDonald, and the second overall pick head to Hamilton. Um. I mean, you're a lot more plugged in overall with the league than I am. I mean, most of the reaction that I've seen around that this is an absolute steal for Hamilton. They're getting quality players that can play in their lineup um, and second overall going forward. I mean, what is this just the first of many interesting moves, shall we say, from Chris Jones as he kind of puts his fingerprints on the Elks franchise now that he's running the show? Look, man, if you're trying to figure out what Chris Jones is doing, um, <laughs> I think you've got to have a guy full time for that. I mean, this is, you know, and, I, and it's and it's I mean, this guy's got the, the, the proven track record, right? He can he can do that. I mean, and he obviously sees something. He looks at his team's needs. I think he looks at it. You know, I, I think he's the kind of guy that look, if you don't have. You know, if you if if you if you don't want a linebacker, which is which is essentially what you're getting in, in, in the in, in first overall pick the end of the day is you, you don't really need them. And, and the thing is, is it's not really a luxury in some cases because you got to pay, uh, 
you have to pay that guy money. Like usually like of, of all the people that demand money in the CFL draft, which is few and far between, it's the number one pick. And, 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 and at the end of it, um, I think you need to, I think you need to understand what your team's needs are. I think Chris Jones is a very smart football mind. So I'm not going to sit here and say it's a dumb move. Even if people are, are suggesting that, uh, are suggesting that he, you know, that, that, they got fleeced or whatever from, from Hamilton or whatever, but you know, clearly he didn't want Tyrell Richards. That's the luxury of having the number one pick was knowing that that was the guy that you, you know, and if you weren't, if you weren't interested in him or you had somebody else in mind for the first round that was deeper, then why not, then why not move? You know, why, why not make that trade? And so, you know, it's, it's, you'd have to look back in history, but it's not unprecedented to get rid of the first overall pick. I mean, look at the last time the Bombers pick, and this was kind of my thing about the draft. Maybe I shouldn't be saying this from a professional standpoint, but you know, when the Bombers dropped at Faith Akakity, we went, we went out, we went, I found him. I did a profile on him. I, you know, end up, this is a funny story. I, <laughs> I had his number. I, I did a story on him and I he got drafted first overall. And I called him like 15 minutes later. Uh, after like, you know, assuming that Mike O'Shea would call him and yada, yada. And, and he picks up the phone and he goes, Hey coach. <laughs> and I go, Whoa, <laughs> uh, this isn't coach. This is uh, Jeff Hamilton from Winnipeg free press, but I'm going to hang up now and I'm gonna let you have that first call with your, your team. Anyway, that's just a funny story, but the, the you know, they signed him to a three-year deal at $90,000 a year. And he didn't, you know, he didn't even, re- he got cut on the eve of, his second season training camp. So, you know, without actually knowing exactly what Chris Jones thinks, but just kind of looking at some similar position situations could be a number of things. Doesn't think that he, you know, he needs that position. That's not a position that, you know, he wants to make Canadian or whatever, or maybe he's looked at the game tape and he's not all that sold. Or if he really thinks he's great, Hey, let him develop with another team, have all those years and then sign him sign him when he when he's ready to be a starter a bona fide starter so you know it's not all that surprising that the cfl draft is is a bit of an interesting exercise because it's not like your typical professional drafts there's a lot of complexity complexities involved in you know where guys are taken how valuable they are what role they will have and so you know often it's the best player right you hear about do you want to take position or do you want to take the best player available well not 10 out of 10 gms are going to tell you they're going to take the best player available but they're actually going to take the person that they they believe they need and so if you don't if you don't think that that position can get filled at a certain point that's why you see a lot of trades happen within the draft right you all of a sudden your guy's gone and you know, you don't have a, you, you don't, and everyone else is gone or you don't have someone ranked as high. You're going to, you're going to dish them or you're at least going to say, Hey, this, this picks up for grabs and see if another team bites or swaps you. Right. So um, lots of that stuff happens. And, you know, I think Chris Jones, I, I didn't take it as him, him tipping his hand, but you know, he was certainly asked about, it and he said his phone was ringing off the hook. And I thought that was just a bit of gamesmanship and, and there wasn't going to be a trade, but, but here we are with uh, you know, with the, uh, I'm yeah. With uh, is it not Montreal that got it? And we keep saying Hamilton, but I feel like it's Montreal. I don't know if that's because uh, Herb's or well, Kowski that's broke two it, different. So like the trade that I was talking about was the Hamilton one. This is the Monday night deal where Edmonton got eighth and twenty eighth overall. Oh, okay. For the, uh, for the I thought we were talking about the number one overall pick. So well, yeah, you, you moved it into that one too. That was I mean, the big trade. I don't even know this trade you're talking about. Maybe I need to start doing my a bit more of my homework heading into the night, but. 
Hey, you know what? I mean, there's been a few, and it's just been they interesting. Don't quiz me on eight and twenty-eight trades in the CFL draft. How well, no, but guys? it was more that the players, and I mean, the players are guys that are you know, like legit oh, CFLers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and it was just sort of like you know, it's sort of like you know, where Chris Jones is sort of already putting a stamp on moving guys out, and um, and and again, the picks. Well, think about what's going on in Edmonton right now, and with with uh, with with Arbuckle, like they 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 won't even tell this guy if he's the if he's the starting quarterback. Good thing he got that. Uh, good thing he got that guaranteed money in the extension last year with the uh, with the former uh, the former group. It'll be interesting, and I know in the next week we'll spend more time talking bombers because there are still a number more players that need to be signed, getting ready for camp, rookie mm-hmm. camp. But uh, tonight, all eyes will be on the draft to see who the Winnipeg Blue Bombers pay, take, and we'll get after it tomorrow. Hammer went a little long today, but uh, you were on fire. I knew you were going to come with some great stuff today. This was an awesome conversation. Everyone in the chat seemed to really appreciate it. Uh, just about as much as I appreciate you coming on the program. Great stuff, man. Hey, next time I'll have lunch before I come on. Okay, thanks so much <laughs> for having me You won't me be on. hangry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, fueled by passion. See you. Thanks a lot for having me on, Hus. Good stuff. There is Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press. You know, if we were together right now, I'd cheers him and uh, give him one of the new uh, Canadian Club of Ginger Ale cocktails. They're available now at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart stores and in beer stores everywhere in six packs. But if you just want to try it, you're a fan of Canadian Club, Pop by and check out the uh, displays at 26 of the biggest liquor marts all month long. Uh, purchase any Canadian Club product and you get a free can of the ready-to-drink Canadian Club and ginger to try out for yourself. And make sure to check out great savings on the 1750 ml version of Canadian Club all month long at your local Manitoba liquor marts. And if you're new around here, Friday afternoon, you definitely want to be here with us on YouTube towards the end of the show. Canadian Club's teamed up with Winnipeg Sports Talk with some great prizes for the Marble Race, which has become a uh, very popular finish to the week here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, we're going to get to the cool bet lines. We'll talk about these games tonight and uh, maybe a little bit more about what happened last night. But let's get Michael Remus back in here and Reem, I knew today's conversation with Hammer was going to be awesome. Uh, we went a little long talking Jets, but it didn't seem like anyone in the chat minded. Great numbers as always. By the way, if you're with us now and you haven't been before, make sure you hit that red subscribe button and join us on a daily basis. We're here every day live on YouTube starting at 1 p.m. And we'll get the podcast up in and around 3.30 just in time for your drive home on the way. But uh, no surprise. I mean, with the amount of stuff that we've had to talk to and uh, – I think Hammer sometimes brings the best out of me as well. We got uh, got a chance to dig into uh, so much of the uh, the shrapnel, if you will, coming out of this final week of the uh, the, the season and uh, a disappointing end for the Winnipeg Jets this year. Yeah, there was just so much stuff over the last week. The players just dumping all over their season, and you loved. I mean, it, I think it was a bit cathartic hearing Neil Pionk say it was embarrassing, or Ealer saying it was a wasted season. But then you got to like the main event, which was Sunday. Uh, Mark Shafley and Paul Stasny. We've talked about it for like the last two shows, and I mean we could talk about this for a, for a long time because um, it's pretty clear they need they need change. One thing I do wonder, we, you know, we haven't really touched on it, is you know with the new coach coming in, does a new coach decide to appoint a new leadership group? Now I think it's pretty clear if Mark Shafley's going to talk. Uh, like he like he did on Sunday, he's probably not deserving of wearing the A anymore. But I mean, we'll have to wait till the formal announcement if there is one. Maybe Ken will hide it in one of his columns that they're changing. <laughs> changing. 
<laughs> you Can know, I'll just um, sneak it in there. <laughs> yeah, just a little slide. And by the way, three-year extension for Shovel Day Up. Yeah. Um, well, hey, how you about said, the I mean, season? Yeah, but, he should have done. Way, he should have done. By the way, Kevin Weeks is the best. He continues, and I know we've showed one of his, you know, his breaking news. Like when I see a video and Kevin Weeks stars, hey, what's going on, you NHL fans? I get legitimately excited. I mean, that to me is the new tagline. And Weeks is the insider of the people, I will tell you. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are insiders that do a great job. There was weeks last night in between periods of the Carolina-Boston game dropping a Twitter video. Hey, what's going on, all you NHL fans, to let everyone know that breaking news, sources say Mike Yo is not returning to the Philadelphia Flyers. Certainly not earth-shattering. I think everyone looking at the Flyers season would have assumed as such. Uh, but the way he goes about doing his things and breaking his news is uh, it's definitely 2022, and I got a lot of time for uh, for Kevin Weeks. Uh, who did that last night? You can check it out on uh, you can check it out on Twitter. Yeah, we did actually have some NHL news. Um, the you want to get into the playoffs from last night? Let's do it. Um, Let's do it right now before well, we get to the cool bet lines. Uh, last uh, yeah. night's uh, activity. Kyle Clifford with a, just a dumbass hit on Ross Colton. Like you see, a guy is goes back to you, doesn't have the puck. Total cheap you, shot. You decide you're going to drill him. I know it's playoffs and. And guys, like, want to run through a wall, but come on. Like, what are we doing here? Well, Sheldon Keefe did say, hey, this could be a borderline violent series. And I think he was sort of pointing the figure at Tampa. And then, of course, they go out. And listen, credit to the Leafs, Jack Campbell in that penalty killing unit. That could have gone very, mm. very bad very quickly for them. I mean, you serve up five minutes to the Tampa Bay Lightning power play. But I'll tell you what, Tampa stunk last night. And John Cooper said as much after the game. You know, credit to the Leafs. but. I don't think that our team would have beaten anybody the way they played last night. I mean, midway through the game, they still had single digits and shots. They had all those power play opportunities. And I'll tell you what, if you are a Leafs fan that went into the playoffs sort of just anticipating impending doom despite how well your team played this season, that was an absolute masterpiece of a performance. They get the shutout for Jack Campbell. Austin Matthews scored a couple goals. Mitch Marner scored. I mean, the guys that were invisible last year at the end of the series against Montreal came up big against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champs. Hard to imagine this playoff starting any better for the Buds last night uh, in downtown Toronto. Yeah, well, we'll have to... I mean, good thing the series is seven games. We can see how Tampa responds. We do remember the Leafs had a lead on... Montreal last year before losing that series. So I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm <laughs> long not ways to go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Kyle Clifford, he's having a hearing. Corey Perry got fined uh, 2,500 for unsportsmanlike conduct. I mean, these, these $2,500 fines are so use, <laughs> so useless. Um, Jared Spurgeon, this was uh, the one going around social media yesterday, cross checked a downed St. Louis Blues player, like away from the play, just like, just like down on the guys on the back of his calves. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like what the playoffs happen and like a switch flips. And I saw every hockey writer saying, Oh no, I just voted for him for lady Bing. What is he doing? He's making us look bad. So that was, he got fined 2,500 for that. That was, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know like what's going on with these attempts to injure here. Like setting think, the tone, Michael setting the tone. It's a new season. The Stanley cup playoffs are here. Uh, and, uh, I mean, that, the fights at the end of the, uh, the Leaf-Tampa game as well have made you clear. I mean, listen, when you've got a blowout game in game number one, 
certainly a team like Tampa wanted to show that they're not going. I mean, Corey Perry was chasing Wayne Simmons around. I would have loved to have seen Wayne Simmons beat the daylights out of Corey Perry. Personally, I don't wish that on many people in the National Hockey League. Corey Perry at the top of the list. And I don't imagine the Leafs were too uh, too happy with Pat Maroon feeding Morgan Riley a number of rights to the face uh, beforehand. Uh, this game started, or this season series, excuse me, started off with um, a lot of piss and vinegar, and uh, I don't think it's the last of it we'll see so far. Um, other games, Boston had a nice start against Carolina. Carolina ended up running away with this game, and I believe the three-game series in the season was 16 goals for one against for Carolina, I and mean, they absolutely dominated Boston. That being said, I think many people, myself included, thought this would be a close series. Uh, game one wasn't great start for the Canes last night. Uh, kind of a surprising start with the Blues going in and taking out the Minnesota Wild for nothing. I mean, I still think this series is going to go the distance. Uh, but considering the momentum the Wild had coming into the playoff, they did not do very well against the Blues in the season series, although the games were all super close. Uh, but that's a huge, huge win for the 2019 champs behind Vili Husso who uh, very quickly got the first start. I don't know how much you can trust Jordan Bennington, much like Mike Smith. Huso's had an amazing season, and uh, what a great way to start his playoff career with a shutout in game number one. Yeah, I thought this was going to be Minnesota's year. They're at home. They have Marc-Andre Fleury in net. You know, They have this balanced team led by uh, Kirill Kaprizov, who's one of the top scorers this year. Minnesota fans feeling optimistic. Now they're having a lot of similar feelings. This team that's just, you know, would always get to the playoffs, but could never really do anything once they got there. And could we have another one of those seasons for them after the, you know, they've kind of, I don't want to say went all in, but they do have those cap hits on Suter and Parise. They're going to have a lot of dead money oh. the next couple of years. It's going to make it 12 tough. mil next year, 14 and 14 the following season. So I think you're right. There is a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. And I still think the Wild have the potential if they can get out of this series to really do some damage. They're going to be a hell of a tough out. Uh, but man, so far so good for the St. Louis Blues. The other game, we touched on this a little bit at the beginning of the show. Um, great games, really entertaining game between the Edmonton Oilers and the LA Kings. And Remo, there wasn't a lot of people giving the Kings very much of a chance. However, you I were did. on the Kings side. You're rocking yeah. the hat right now. We're a Rangers show right now, by the way. We'll get to the Rangers going forward. Need to win those two rounds and get the Jets a first round pick. But uh the Kings and led by Phil Deneau. I mean, Deneau was such a fascinating player last year because he never scored. He had only five point five goals on the season. But in the first and second rounds against Winnipeg, well, heck, against Vegas as well, he showed what an incredibly versatile player he was. And man, the Kings have got great value. One of the best two-way players in the game and a guy that scored 27 goals this season. And he made his mark felt big time. And then, of course, the Kings took advantage of an absolute brain fart by Mike Smith, who often just can't help himself, um, almost gifting him uh, unnecessary opportunities in the third period that ended up being the winning goal. Yeah, and I've seen some calls in chat. They need a Mike Smith uh, shot caller. I mean, coming out of the net and <laughs> yes. uh, just tossing it up the middle to the Kings. I mean, that wasn't the goal, but it was a bit of a scrambly play, and he let in a, a poor one. I know the Oilers played well. I think if the Kings can stay out of the box and keep it at five on five, uh, they should have success. For them, Victor Arvidsson, he didn't play. Uh, he didn't skate today. Todd McCullen saying he's not ruled out for game two. We'll wait and see. And I really like that second line of Moore with 
uh, sorry, Moore, Deno, and Arvidsson. Uh, I follow stepped in for them, and uh, was who was it? Adrian Kempe and uh, Anze Kobra. I like I like the Kings. They are missing Doughty, but again, I'm not sold on the Oilers. Like they, you know, you know who showed up big time last night? Hmm. Johnny Quick. Man, I know BA says yes. Quick's going to burn out. I mean, and yeah. I, I, listen, I think Cal Peterson's been a big part of their success so far this season. But Jonathan Quick is a guy that can get hot at the right time. He's been here before. He's won the Stanley Cups in the past. And he looked vintage Jonathan Quick last night as opposed to what he's been the last few years. He was great last night uh, making big saves. And he was on a bit of a heater to end the season, winning a couple in a row. So I got pumped seeing, you know, I, the Jets aren't in. I want to see, you know, disappointment, major disappointment from either Oilers fans or Leafs fans. That's all I can cheer for here. That's what's keeping me watching the playoffs. I tune in. I want, I'm like, mm, I, I'm going to want to watch this because the atmosphere, you know, we didn't really have that last year in the playoffs. There's no fans. Certainly but, not here north, but, of, the, north sure, of the border. Yeah, yeah, not in Canada. But Toronto fans going crazy. Love to see that. Oilers fans as well. But also you love to see the disappointment because it's not you. <laughs> well, uh, I would we're, say we're, that deal, other... we're dealing with our own disappointment already. It's been a, uh, I heard the press, you know, the press conferences over the last couple of weeks described as a two week funeral here. So <laughs> that's right. We, we got our own issues, but yeah, uh, we can laugh at the, the other ones. The rest of the dirt has been put on the grave and now we're at the wake afterwards having a couple beers and there's yeah, a whole bunch of playoff hockey just, on television that we're, we're watching. Just, we're just having beers reminiscing of the last, uh, four years of the Jets or I guess, what is it? mid-2019 of the Jets' uh, slow downfall here. Actually, one thing we, we didn't mention about the Jets, uh, so I know we're kind of moving on, but Mark Chipman did put out a letter to the fans, like right at 1 o'clock, like when I hit go live. So we didn't have a chance to get too far into it, but just thanking them, acknowledging it was a difficult season, and they're, they're trying to move forward. Um, I don't know if it was a coincidence that they put it out at 1. I don't know if yeah, they, if, here's, here's know if they a pay paragraph. attention. I've got it. I've got it. Yeah. <laughs> Do they pay attention to what we're doing here? I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, and here's an interesting, just a, I'll grab a paragraph um, uh, of it, um, you know, speaking about the, the direction of the team. While disappointed with how the season unfolded and humbled by the adversity our community has endured, I'm reminded that our organization was born out of the devastating departure of the NHL and has grown and matured through a great deal of adversity and challenge over the past 26 years. We did that by cons consistently holding ourselves accountable to our core values, including continuous improvement. And I've comforted to know that no one in our group understands that better than our hockey operations team led by general manager, Kevin Sheveldayoff. Be assured, Kevin and his team are determined to make the necessary adjustments to what we truly believe can be a championship team. In addition, I know we will always remain committed to improving the fan experience at all True North venues. As an ownership group, and notwithstanding the financial impact the pandemic has had, know that our commitment to invest in the team and our facilities remains stronger than ever. And I'll skip down at the end. Finally, I'm humbled and humbled by and deeply grateful for the community and passion of Winnipeg Jets fans who invest their emotion, time, and money with our team. It's the same passion that sent me on this journey 26 years ago this month, which propels our entire organization every day. And it's a passion that causes us to look forward with much optimism for the future, beginning with the Manitoba Moose's participation in the Calder Cup playoffs this week. On behalf of everyone at True North, thank you for your ongoing investment and for the confidence you have placed in us over the years, respectively. Mark Chipman, Executive Chairman. North Sports and Entertainment, Winnipeg Jets Hockey Club. Um, so 
Um, yeah, listen, I think this is, uh, you know, those are the sort of things that are important to gather, especially directly to the folks that are buying season tickets and supporting the club right now. Um, and there will be dif- uh, differing opinions on exactly uh, the direction of the team and who's running it. Uh, but certainly, uh, I don't think anyone can doubt that uh, Mark has the best interest of the team, the community, and the city of Winnipeg, uh, whether or not you agree with um, you know the way that they are going about doing it. Um, all right, Remo, let's get to these cool bet lines for tonight because we do have four more series beginning. And uh, first up at 6 p.m., it's Winnipeg's new team, Andrew Kopp, Jacob Truba, and the New York Rangers <laughs> going up against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I sort of joke about that, but of course, if you have no skin in the game, what's best for the Winnipeg Jets? What's best for the Winnipeg Jets is the Rangers winning two series and that one of the two second-round picks that came back in the cop trade turning into a first-rounder. And uh, they are a slight favorite tonight, minus 130 against the Pittsburgh Penguins this evening. It's going to yeah, be an interesting series. I think that's going to be a good series. We're kind of counting Pittsburgh out. They're going with DeSmith and Net Jari is injured. There's a couple uh, goalie injuries around the league. The other one um, being Soros in, Na- in Nashville, which is massive, massive for them. So uh, I, I think I, no, I did pick the Rangers in this. I think they're a good team. I like their defense. Uh, I think Cop gave them some nice uh, additional scoring as well. He's really clicked with our Temi Panarin. Um, we'll see how Pittsburgh. We'll see how Pittsburgh is, but uh, the Rangers favorite in tonight's game. I- I'll tune into that one. Yeah, slight favorite in the series as well. Um, you know, they certainly have Shesterkin, who uh, you know is a heart candidate. Never mind a Vesna trick candidate. Um, but goaltending is a major issue. You mentioned Saros out for the Predators. That's an absolute disaster for them. I think they were going to need Saros to steal a few games if they wanted to stay in this series. Avalanche, a minus 312 favorite. Oh. Preds, plus 255. And speaking of goaltending, not necessarily injured, but just if he play, whether you go to Vitanichek or uh, Samsonov, the Caps have not had consistent goaltending, and they're going to need it going against the most high-powered offensive team in the league for the majority of the season in the Florida Panthers, who, no surprise, are a big minus 217 favorite in the opener tonight. Yeah, the big news for them is that Aaron Ekblad, who's missed some time, and we remember last year, too, he had that uh, horrible leg injury at oh, the yeah. end of the season. He's back, and they ha- they've been running five forwards on the power play without him for a while. I wonder if they stick to that. Mackenzie Weger has stepped up. Uh, Brandon Montour contributes points. They did acquire Ben Sherratt, so they're, and Claude Giroux filling in great. They got Huberto. I really like Florida. They do run... All their lines, we saw we saw it firsthand. I think Mason Marchment, I remember him and Anton Londell having a big game. So I, I really like the Panthers here in, uh, in this series. So yeah, minus 244, big favorite tonight. And then, of course, final game is Dallas at Calgary. I mean, both of us are very high on Calgary, think that they can win the West. Obviously, they'll have to beat Dallas to do it. I think this is going to be a short series. I really expect that Calgary and Daryl Sutter has these guys ready to go despite their two losses at the end of the season, including the one Friday night here in Winnipeg to the Jets. Calgary's a minus 217 favorite. They're plus 116 to win by two. I think that's where I'm going tonight. Um, and I don't know what you remove. I think that they, you know, with a player, with a coach like Sutter, and credit to the Dallas Stars, I mean, maybe Ottinger can go in and steal a game, but they just have a tough time matching up to just how deep Calgary is. And then never mind the depth, that number one line with all the 40-goal scorers um, has been the best line in hockey, and I think they'll get a chance to prove it once again tonight against Dallas. I think this will be one of the shorter series of the first round. I'd be surprised if it went past five. Yeah, I said it here on the show yesterday. Calgary is my 
was my cup pick. Uh, Mark, I mean, they got that elite line, Markstrom, D solid, good coaching. Uh, they're going to play with that playoff Sutter toughness. And I made fun of them for hiring Sutter. I laughed. And here I am taking them Who's laughing to, now? to win the cup. Hey, I yeah. had I had uh, Gaudreau, I had Gaudreau, Kachuk, and uh, Rasmus Anderson on my fantasy team. They they were part of my big wins on DraftKings this year. So uh, I love the Flames. They're uh, they're my I'm riding them too. I'll actually, I'm cheering for the Flames. Uh, it the it is it is crazy where we are, and maybe it's easier to kind of get behind the Flames because how much they sucked last year. Yes. And they didn't even make the playoffs in the Canadian <laughs> division, as opposed yeah. to all that we've heard about Edmonton, Toronto over the last few years. Uh, that game goes tonight, final game. So a uh, full four-game slate this evening. A uh, little NBA playoff action tonight. I see some people fired up for the Warriors getting another chance to get at it tonight. Uh, but I think the main event will be the Stanley Cup playoffs. And then tomorrow we're going to get into some moose. We'll get into the aftermath of the Blue Bomber draft. And we will also continue our Jets into the offseason discussion. Uh, looking forward to having Murat Atesh on the program and get Murat's reaction to everything that's transpired over the course of the last seven days or so. Um, and then a little closer to the weekend, ice at home Friday and Saturday, and the Moose beginning on the road Friday and Saturday against the Milwaukee Admirals in their best of five series. Some people wondering why the Moose are on the road for games number one and two. It's a best of five. First two games on the road, games three, four, and five in Winnipeg. So if it does go the distance, that final game will be at Canada Life Center. And we'll talk some more Moose tomorrow and, of course, CFL Draft as well, as we mentioned tonight. Been a great show. Big thanks to Carson Lambos for coming on the program. Good luck to he and his teammates in game number one at the Ice Cave on Friday. You can get your tickets on the Winnipeg Ice website. And, of course, a uh, monster segment with Jeff Hamilton today. Really great conversation on so many of the issues coming out of the end of the Winnipeg Jets season and a look ahead into the offseason. Huge thanks to our sponsors. Great to have Assiniboia Downs back with us. Of course, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend Country Club, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey and Cool Bet Canada. Not sure if I mentioned it earlier, but they still are looking for a couple of dock hands for the summer. If you got maybe a university student that's kind of thinking about what they're going to do for the summer, how about living in paradise for four months with an incredible group of people out at, a, at, a, at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge? Find out more online at akinslake.com or hit Pit Turan up with a tweet at Aikens Lake on Twitter more information on the opportunities and of course if you're thinking about getting out there at some point all the information and the limited availability for what's going to be the busiest season ever at Aikens is there at akinslake.com tomorrow cfl draft a little moose talk and more on the end of the jet season coming up right here live on youtube at 1 p.m on winnipeg sports talk daily thanks for being with us gang and we'll see you tomorrow oh my god Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.